For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media uh, uh, social media uh, platforms. There you go. We're off to a riveting start this morning. Wow. I haven't had a sip of coffee yet. Uh, you know, I was going to say, like, Drew, I was going to say, like, social media blank. Yeah, social media blank. Well, I mean, exactly. Drew, in your defense, I mean, we have a lot of different forms of social media, so you could have meant our Instagram, you could have met our Twitter, you could have met our Facebook, you know, as he's got our, us on our, true our, social. I mean, our like MySpace, our, yeah, our TikTok. Don't forget about our high five page, guys. That's hot. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot, lot of different options there. So don't worry about it. Yes. In any event, it's Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. We say good morning to Dave. We say good morning to Ezzy. I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Nice to see you, gentlemen, on this Saturday morning. A doubleheader of IC action coming your way today. The IC Hockey Show right now and then later tonight, just before 9 p.m. in the evening. The IC Post Game Show following the Jets and the Ottawa Senators. No better way to start your hockey day in Canada. Canada than with us three fellas gentlemen it's good to see the both of you how are things how's everything in your life it's been a you know a, a whole day without seeing you I hope everything is the same I hope there haven't been any seismic changes that I'm not currently aware of I think we're doing pretty good I think I can speak for team Manuk and team Ginsburg here mm. at Dave's uh humble abode here in, in River Heights I think we're, we're doing good and as you said we're ready for a double header this weekend we're ready for today's show this morning um, you know, I, I realize we're going to focus on the Jets for the majority of this show, but like, is everything okay in Vancouver? Like, it's, does anybody does anybody have a soul in that no, organization? I, I tweeted about it this morning already. I tweeted about it yesterday. I tweeted about it this morning. I'm glad you brought it up, Ezzy. It's just unconscionable. It's it, it, I mean, it, it, you know, it's un conscionable to treat another person like this this is what the worst corporations in the world do the ones that you know where you you know they they lay off people by you know not actually telling them but the person goes to work and just like their key card access for the re- for the record google did that yesterday that's where they laid I'm off re- oh okay yes. that's what you're referencing where if you if it was red you're out if it was yeah. green you had you could go in i'm pretty sure boys that's what bell media did in 2021 by the way <laughs> yeah, well i mean well. Are, are, as, are, as he said soulless corporations that's right i mean it, it, it's remarkable what they're doing in vancouver and the the class that bruce boudreau has demonstrated in handling it is is remarkable because i'm not that i mean i wouldn't be that classy at some point in time i'd want to just burn the the place to the ground and he is and, a wrestling fan so you think he might want to like Drop a couple of like, yeah, you know. I'm sure that him. You guys I, I see want... when the media asked him about how, or like the media was talking about how he wasn't on the ice, and he had mentioned that his wife was texting him that he yeah. wasn't on the ice. Like he was having fun with it. He was also getting emotional and getting teary. But you're right. You're absolutely right, Drew. Bruce Boudreau has handled this like in in the the best way possible it's remarkable how well he's handled it and Jim Rutherford and Francisco Aquilini and uh, Patrick Alvin and anybody else who claims or is proud to represent the Canucks organization should really take a deep long look in the mirror because they're absolutely embarrassing themselves that right now in my estimation is the worst organization in the NHL at least every other organization 
you know, there's worse teams in terms of on ice performance, but every other organization at least has a plan and is, and is executing a vision. Their vision might be, we're going to suck deliberately, but it's a vision. The Canucks have no vision. And then the, this is the way they handle a well-respected head coach. Even if it's not a well-respected head coach, even if it's a first time head coach, you can't yeah. handle people this way. You don't think that the, uh, the players on all the other teams are looking at this and saying, hell no, I'm not going to Vancouver. You know, hell no. If I have one other option, I'm taking that option. I mean, there's no question about it, how they are absolutely embarrassing themselves. You know, if I was a fan of the Vancouver Canucks, I would be, I would be ashamed to be giving them money on a regular basis. That's when we you had kept. Remember when we had Kevin Woodley on? That's what he talked about. That's right. No matter that was before the whole Bruce Boudreaux thing. That, right. like, that, that was right. That was just when, based on the play on the ice. That's right. That was when there was just maybe a little bit of smoke about things, and then it's just gotten worse day by day. Uh, it, it, it's a remarkably bad organization. It's. I mean, I you know, if you're Rick Tockett, who's apparently next in line to be the coach, why the hell do you want to go there? You had the option of basically choosing a lot of different jobs this summer, and all of a sudden you're running to be in that organization. Why? I mean, you know, that's last chance university kind well, of. Well, I say it's because there's 32 NHL head coaching jobs. Yeah, but you had one. your option of you could have been a head coach in one of the other 31 teams. Well, maybe this Drew, Drew, maybe in his estimation, and we don't want to spend too much time on on the Canucks. Like, who cares ultimately? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel bad for Bruce Boudreaux because I don't really, but I don't really care about the the Vancouver Canucks. But I will say, like you know, you have to almost think it can't get any worse, you know? And maybe he's thinking like the, it's almost like when someone's done something bad and you know, they have to be on their best behavior for a certain period of time. So <laughs> it's almost as if the Canucks are going to go the complete opposite way and have to be on their toes. I mean, who knows? Dave, I mean, Dave how many, how many media scrums have you listened to over the, since 2011? Have you, have he, you ever did. heard a coach say, I hope I see you guys tomorrow. Well, like, not only it, that, like, this is surreal. And not only that, it's it's like the organization's a joke. Like they're they're they won't allow some of the journalists. Jeff Patterson, yeah, uh, Matt Sakaris. I mean, these are guys who were they're Hall of Fame journalists. It's not they like are, they're they're, yeah, they're not everybody. Bums. Those guys used to be on TSN ten forty in Vancouver, and now they have the Sakaris and, and Price they, show. They're basically they do, they doing, do their own thing. Yeah, they're doing what we're doing. Yeah. but you know, shout out to those guys because those guys are veterans and they're good guys. But yeah. they're not basically. They weren't given access to do media availabilities. I don't know if they're if they're not have if they don't even have access to the arena. It's it's, it's insane. Like, it's very hit or miss. It's piecemeal when they get access. There's no consistent access there, which is absolutely wild. Because these, you know what? Let me tell you something about the NHL. Yeah. Sometimes they're so stupid they can't even get out of it. Like you need all the coverage you can get. I don't care if you're in Canada. Like look at our market. You know, right. what I mean, like you need coverage. Coverage is important. You can't. You can only control the message so much. And like. I don't know. Anyways, I don't want to talk about the Canucks anymore. Who cares? Fair enough. We just want to get it. I'm glad you brought it up, Ezzy, because I want to get it off. I was going to bring it up too. Uh, I knew. I knew. I know when Drew needs to get something off of his chest. I've I've been friends with you long enough, so I I had to tee you up on that one. It, it, it just <laughs> infuriates me that you can treat another human being like yeah, that. That's fair. I mean, and that's just as simple as that. Never mind. You know, coaches are hired to get fired. They get paid handsomely uh, to do the job, but you don't need to treat them this way on their way out. Just rip off the Band-Aid already and get it over with because what you're doing is degrading to yourself and Bruce Boudreaux is going to come through this looking like a, a, a gentleman while the rest of you buffoons in this terrible organization should really go do something with yourself that I can't say uh, in mixed company. Moving on. 
Jets game tonight. Big game against the Ottawa Senators. Because this Jets team has not been playing well, by and large, this week. You know, we know that the game against Arizona was on the positive side of the ledger. The game against Toronto and Montreal were on the negative side of the ledger because of the win-loss. The game against Montreal obviously was a disaster. They played better against Toronto. You know, to me, this is actually an important game for the Jets. And you would look at the standings and you would say, yeah, it's not that important. Ottawa is, you know, a middling team in the Eastern Conference. They're not going to be a playoff team. But from the Jets' perspective, to, you know, uh, prevent this a losing streak from getting to be a third game, which has only happened once so far this year. And that was right before, right around Christmas time when uh, the injury bug was really impacting the team. You know, this team's healthy. You don't want to start losing three in a row when you haven't already done so. So I do think that there's a, 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 a level of importance on this game that may otherwise not have been there, let's say a week or 10 days ago. Yep, you're 100% right. And it's not just the standings, even though, you know, Dallas won their last game. So they're two points up. And that's going to happen for the majority of the season, guys, right? Like there's the le- the remainder of the season. There's, lot, there's lots of hockey left. So we're going to see flip-flopping going on in that central division with Dallas and Winnipeg. And Minnesota picked up some points. Colorado has picked up points. I believe they're eight back with two games in hand. But it's not just the standings. It's because you want to get back to playing the type of hockey that you were playing you know, two or three weeks ago. And that's what it, it, it's about for me. Like you're starting to see some old habits creep back in the Jets game from last year, right? And you're absolutely right. The Arizona game, even though they got the two points, that wasn't a, a Picasso. And then the game against Montreal was one of their weaker uh, showings of the year. And yeah, you badly outplayed the Leafs for the majority of the game, especially in the first and the third periods, but you only had one goal to show for it. So they're mm-hmm. struggling to score goals right now. I think it's going to be really interesting to see you know, what the line combinations are. I was talking about that earlier. Like the, the Jets were creating offense, but just not finishing, right, Dave? So, I mean, do you see Perfetti go back with Shifling Wheeler? Do you see Connor Dubois-Ehlers? Like, we'll have to wait and see here. But there's no doubt that, you know, the Jets have only scored four goals in their last three games. And that's just not something that we're used to seeing, right? The Jets are a, a top 10 team. I don't know exactly where they are, but they're a, they're a top 10 offensive team in the NHL, regardless of where specifically they are in terms of goals for uh, a game so yeah I agree this is an important game Ottawa lost to Pittsburgh last night um, so you know Ottawa played last night and Ottawa mm-hmm. you know speaking of you know teams that are struggling to score goals yeah they struggle to keep it out of their net but they've got Josh Norris back not Josh Norrissey Josh Norris is back <laughs> in the lineup for the for the Senators he missed I don't know how many games Dave he missed 30 but well, yeah I mean you know aside he's from played, he's only played seven on the year so he, seven yeah yeah so when you're talking about the Senators obviously you know Brady Kachuk is their top player, Timmy Stutzla, second overall pick. And Josh Norris, he had his breakout year last year. How many goals did Norris have last year? I feel like he had like 30-something. He had a really good season. He's a good player. But, I mean, this Senators team is almost as top-heavy as they get, even though, you know, Alex Debrinkit and mm. Claude Giroux, they've been near-point-per-game per players, and they've got a, a talented back end. But the Jets, Dave, if they play similar to the way they did against the Leafs, you know, they, they should beat the Senators at home, and I think they will. I mean, they, they need a bounce-back game. They've got Philly tomorrow, so it's not, you know, a, a situation where, you know, you can rest a little bit. But, yeah, they, they have to get back on the winning track for sure. Yeah, and I, and I mean, it's one of those situations, like you said, Ezzy, they, pit, they were, you know, the Senators, I believe it was in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, they had to uh, fly back while the Jets were comfortably in Ottawa, regardless. They played last night, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in Pittsburgh. And so you've got a, a situation where you're going to be able to try and take advantage of a Senators team, like you said, is that they're, they're struggling this season, second Second worst team, I think, in their division. So uh, 20, they're not 25th in goal scored, Dave. 
Yeah. So and it's not a uh, not a Senators team. You know they've got some talent as you went over, but this is a this is a game that you know you need a bounce back game if you're the Winnipeg Jets. You know that you know you I shouldn't say bounce back because the Montreal game you needed a bounce back game from the Toronto game they played. Again, they played exceptionally well in that first period. They just couldn't score on Samsonov. And then, of course, the second period, they weren't ready. And the Leafs capitalized on the Jets' mistakes, um, maybe a little bit more than obviously with the top-end talent that they have, that the Senators aren't, wouldn't be able to necessarily do. Although they've got guys who can score, as you just pointed out, as. So it, it is an important game for Winnipeg because of the reasons you outlined, because you don't want to go into a three-game losing streak, because you don't want to – you want to continue to add points because – Look, you've given yourself a huge cushion. There's no question about that. You're a playoff team. There's no question about that. But it's also about, you know, where you're going to be in the standings and about, you know, the teams that are coming behind you, right? And like you said, Ezzy, you got Minnesota, you got Colorado, you mm-hmm. got Dallas. You want to stay in the mix. So you can't afford. I mean, it's funny, and this is kind of what we talked. Think about what we talked about on last Saturday's show before they'd even gone on the road trip. And we were talking about how most of these games are winnable. Yeah. Again, well, we said against said teams the, lower than you in the standings, with the exception of Toronto. Yeah. Right, Toronto was two points ahead of the Jets going into that game, but with the exception of Toronto, all the teams were below the Jets. And as we've talked about, and as they've shown, this is a team that can do well against the teams below them in the standings. Right? They were, I don't know, like twenty and three or something. Their record was very good mm-hmm. against teams that were below them in the standings. So, I mean, and 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 as he's right, there are some very interesting question marks with respect to this team. I mean, Dylan Sandberg has an illness, so he hasn't been available. Villa Hainola has been in his spot because we thought Hainola might come out if he, when he struggled. But Sandberg, I guess, isn't ready yet. Now you got Logan Stanley, who's on IR in a regular jersey. My mind, with respect to Logan Stanley, unlike what they did with him last time, would be you put him on a conditioning stint, send him to the Moose for you know three games or whatever because mm-hmm. Moose have two games today. They have two games next week. He could play four games here in a week. And then come back. And up. you're not going to throw him into a back-to-back situation on the road when you've lost two games in a row. Like that's sure. way too much. That's way too much pressure to put on him. Right, but I mean, it, that's why I'm saying, like, to me, to my mind, I would, I would get him games with the. He has to agree to it, of course, if he wants to go on an AHL condition. If the team wants to send him on a conditioning stint, but I, I would think that he'd be well served to do something like that. But yeah, there are question marks, right? And we know David Gustafson is in non-contact, and we know that. Um, who am I missing? Mason Appleton. Mason Appleton also non-contact on on the road trip, uh, mm-hmm. but you know he, according to Rick Bonus, is still a ways away. So yeah, I mean, look, you've got some lineup question marks as to you know is Carson Kuhlman going to remain a healthy scratch? Will the lines remain the same? I mean, I would well, imagine look, you're going to put you're going to put Perfetti back into the spot beside yeah. Shifley and Wheeler, and you're going to have Ehlers back. I mean, that's how you were scoring. That's how you were producing. Yeah, and it's interesting because to me, Rick Bonus doesn't seem like a guy. I understand when you're wanting to discipline the team and you're not happy with the performances, but that's also the way you've had success. So I would be yeah. imagining that they'll end up going back that way. Well, you know, because per, it was it was evident to anybody who watched the game on Thursday night. You know, uh, you know, as well as the Jets, you know, played and they played pretty decently. The Perfetti Lowry Manalainen line is just not a line that worked out well. There's just. Uh, you know, Perfetti needs to be playing with guys with more skill. He needs to be playing with exactly. with, with skill players who yeah. uh, can you know take advantage of his vision. And uh, I think it was was a Matt Larkin on Daily Faceoff who wrote about uh, Cole Perfetti, or was it Stephen Ellis? Maybe it was Stephen Ellis. Stephen Ellis on DailyFaceoff.com. Uh, uh, you know, our friends there who wrote about uh, you know Cole Perfetti and the vision that he demonstrates. Well, if you if he has that vision and he does, we know that he does. Then you have to play him with players who can take advantage of that vision and that's not the role that adam lowry is is best suited for and that's not the role certainly that saku manalainen 
is best suited for. Perfetti needs to be playing with skill guys, with goal scorers who can really, uh, you know, who who can use that uh, that that sk- that that vision and that talent to the best of their abilities. As if I had any money, I would put money down on Betway that uh, that Perfetti is going to go back into the the top six, and then you're going to see Morgan Barron go down. And we talked about it. Morgan Barron looked good in the game against uh, the last game against the Leafs. So. Mm-hmm. He it's played well a, in that elevator. It's role. not a slight on yeah, exactly. He can play in the top six, but when he goes to that third line, all due respect, Morgan Barron is more of a talented player than than Saku Manalainen. So we talked about that, right? Like so, yeah. Rick Bonus has to figure these lines out, but the the good thing is, like Dave said, you know, you can bring in Carson Kuhlman. I mean, Sam Gagne is a guy that can play on the third line. He can play on the fourth line. Stenlin and Gustafson, those guys are interchangeable at center on the fourth line. Those guys can also play wing, right? But you got to get some more production, right? Like, I agree with Dave. Like, four goals in the last three games, okay, is that a blip? We'll see. I I, I do think they're going to score some goals against the Senators tonight. Well, but like, You should. You, <laughs> the well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're not exactly a defensive juggernaut, no. right? Like, all due respect to the, the Sens, right? So, they're I mean, this should be a yeah. game that, like, you know, it, it's setting up to be, you know, a bit of an offensive explosion for the Jets when you consider – that, you know, they've really been, like, especially against the Leafs. Like, Ilya Samsonov made some ridiculous saves. Mm-hmm. I think anybody watching that game, you know, would have said the Jets could have easily had three or four goals, maybe even more, right? Sure. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I do think that Rick Bonus is going to go back to the lines that, you know, were, were giving the Jets success, you know, uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I, I don't have a problem with him doing the experiment that he did. I mean, you know, you, you've built up that cushion and, you, you know, as much as you can experiment in, in practice, it doesn't really get the same effect as in as in during as during a game. Uh, so I have no problem with the with the experimenting and with the attempt to, to see things, because really, what did you see? Well, you saw that Morgan Barron, at least in that one game against high end competition, mind you, in that one game, you know, didn't look out of place in an elevated role. What else did you see? Well, you saw that Perfetti needs to play with other players of his ilk. So you learned something from that experiment, but it's not to say that I, I would run back that experiment again, just because that, you know, the bear, you know, the line of Baron and Lowry and question mark had been successful by and large, whereas the line of Perfetti, Lowry, Manalinen in this instance just didn't have any success. Uh, to speak of in that game. They just didn't look like they had any chemistry. They didn't look like they had, uh, they were playing off well off of each other. Uh, so you need to go back to the lines that were able to produce. And you look at the Ottawa Senators and I mean, they have a very good power play. So you have to be a little bit wary of, uh, of giving them too many man advantages because although the Jets obviously have the second best penalty kill in the league. So, you know, that would be a strength against the strength. But you look at the Senators' goaltending and, you know, take away Magnus Helberg, who only played the one game, played well in that one game, mind you, but you take him out of the equation. And you have Talbot and Forsberg, and they each have a save percentage just over 900. 903 for Talbot, 902 for Forsberg. Uh, That's former Winnipeg Jets goaltender Anton Forsberg, I might add. And by the Uh, way, Talbot played last night in Pittsburgh. So you're likely to see Forsberg tonight then. I mean, mean, it's not a guarantee, but it it pretty much is as close to a guarantee. I would expect to see the the former, the Jet, uh, that had the storied career here in Winnipeg. (laughs) Yeah, it's too bad the game's not in Winnipeg. I'm sure there would have been a video tribute Did he play one game or two games? I don't think think he played a game. I think he was just on the taxi squad the entire time. I thought he came in for one game. No. Dave's nodding. Dave's, Dave's shaking his head, so I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he did. I think he was strictly a taxi squad. That was guy. the year in which Eric Comrie played for three different teams, right? He played for the Jets, he played for the Devils and Canucks. Coyotes. 
Was it Coyotes? Okay. I think it was I Coyotes. He was for a bit. Or was that the – I thought it was Red Wings. Red Wings, yeah. He might have been yeah. on four teams. Was he on four teams, Dave? No, he went, to, he went to Arizona. Arizona claimed him. Then they traded him to Detroit. And then uh, I thought he went to New Jersey, though. I thought he did. He, go to, oh, he no, absolutely he did. did because yeah, no, he did. He got a his win. Years ago, he got he got his first career win. Yeah, right. No. And then yeah, yeah. Anyway, actually, no, I don't he, know if it was his first career win. It wasn't. But no, no it wasn't. Win it wasn't. He but, win as Jets. Uh, he basically he he went to Arizona. Never yeah. played. He was on. He went to the. I remember he played in Tucson for I think maybe conditioning. And then and then went to, um, and then went. They traded him to Detroit. And then. He uh, was claimed back by the Jets, but he did play for New Jersey as well. Okay, well, there. In, in any event, uh, you look at the goaltending tonight. Uh, this, you know, the you know Forsberg has a goals against average of three point two five. So again, a Jets team that has been struggling to get goals at least in the last week or so. The Pittsburgh game, you know, is is a number of games ago now. Uh, so they need to be able to, and they need to do it, you know, not by uh, necessarily artistic merit. They need to get, you know, the grindy goals, dirty goals, get in front of the net, and that's where you're going to get your traffic. I mean, the Senators shouldn't have anyone on their back end that should be able to handle Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a talented back end uh, in Ottawa. No question about it, but it's a young back end. I, I mean, was Thomas just going to say it's yeah. it's a it's a back it's a it's a group of defensemen that's still learning, right? Like, right. I think Jake Sanderson is having an underrated rookie year, but yeah. you know, he's still very young. You're right. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Jacob Chabot, Bernard Docker is very yeah. young still. I mean, these are young guys. Yeah, UND. Mean, both guys actually went to UND, but right. yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's young, it's inexperienced. There's a bright future ahead, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's not a group of defensemen that you're gonna you know throw in. in you're not going to, you know, have a lot of all stars coming out of that. You might in a few years, um, you know, with yeah. Jake Sanderson. But yeah, I mean, it's it's look the, the again, you know, regardless of of the Senators' defense, the Jets, if they play similar to the way they did against the Leafs, mm-hmm. and and that was, I would say, close to you know the Jets' A game, if not their A game, especially yeah. in that first period, mm-hmm. the, the Jets should beat the Senators. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're a better they team. They're a better team, not just on paper. They're just a better team right. than the Senators. But, so if they play like again, like if they play well, again, they should they should win. Well, and then you have to hope that they learned their lesson from you know from Tuesday in Montreal, where they weren't ready to play, where they weren't uh, you know where they weren't you know in the game. They just weren't mentally there from the entirety of the sixty minutes, uh, even after taking the one nothing lead there on Tuesday against Montreal. So they know that. If you are not ready to play, no matter who you're playing against, you know, you can get bit by it. You can, you know, these teams still have talent. The Ottawa Senators have talent up front. Timmy Stutzla is a guy, you know, that Drew, that I've liked him for a long time. Like, I think there's no doubt that, you know, in that draft year, he's the the most talented player. And, you know, Brady Kachuk, I love his game. Mm -hmm. We talked about Josh Norris. This is only his uh, seventh or eighth game. So, yeah, they've got talent, but, I mean, it definitely – you know, it starts to fade a little bit. Yeah, when their you depth the... is where they're lacking. Exactly. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you got to come to play to start. And that's been an issue for the Jets all year long is the first period. So you know that, you know, Rick Bonus and the coaching staff is going to be talking about that. So, you know, it, it is a big game in terms of, you know, the Jets wanting to end this losing streak here. 
exactly right. The Jets will hit the ice in Ottawa in about an hour's time, 10.30 central time, is when the Jets' morning skate will begin. The Senators' morning skate will begin momentarily. Any worthwhile updates from Ottawa will bring them to you here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. For now, though, we take our first break, and when we return, Manitoba Moose assistant coach Eric Dubois joins us on the program. The Moose in action this afternoon against the Texas Stars. We talk to Eric up next about the Moose, about today's game, about the recent road trip, everything to do with Manitoba Moose. Eric Dubois up next. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It's a Saturday morning. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Bottom of the hour. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday morning, awaiting the arrival of Moose assistant coach Eric Dubois on the program. Uh, good timing for this tweet, this coming uh, courtesy of our friends at Money Puck. Uh, in terms of expected goal, uh, these are top expected goal lines with at least 200 minutes played together. Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, Claude Giroux, they're fourth in expected goals percentage so far this year. 60 one and a half percent and even the senator's second line of debrinket pinto and batherson 55 percent that puts them 18th overall in the nhl that's great for brass bonanza drew yes there you go brass bonanza brass bonanza has stutzla and uh, Giroux in his in his hockey pool so brass bonanza will be happy with a fantasy loss over a jets win there There you you go go. that that's very reasonable but it just goes to show you that the senator's team as we talked about, very top-heavy, but the talent is is there, so the Jets have to pay attention to that. So, you know, it, it, you know, we don't yet know what the Jets' lineup's going to be. We'll know that more in an hour. But if Dylan Sandberg is healthy, I would expect he returns to the lineup ahead of Billy Hainala uh, for tonight's game. That would be my expectation. I think that Billy Hainala seems reasonable. Uh, yeah, has struggled for the last uh, couple of games, and you know you just want to see him get some more consistency, and that's the problem. I don't think that you know for every good game that he has, he then looks maybe takes a half a step back in a subsequent game. I think the team just, I mean, obviously, you know, it's sort of a chicken and egg situation in that he doesn't get enough consistent playing time to show that well, he can that's be a consistent it, right? player. He needs, to, he needs to play games, right? It's it, it, it's a bit of a difficult. Uh, uh, you know, it's a bit of a difficult situation that he's trapped in, but by and large because of his waiver exempt status. But uh, you know, I would expect that uh, if if healthy, Dylan Sandberg uh, would be back in the Jets lineup uh, this uh, this morning or for this for this evening's game. We'll find out more in about an hour or so. But uh, you know, the, the, you can see the similarities between the Jets and the in the Senators in that the top heaviness uh, of both teams because the Jets are still you know how long has it been since Adam Lowry last scored a goal. Is it something 19 like, games? It's been a long, long time. And this is of 19 course, games, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, 19 games without a goal is, is a long, long time. You know, well, what are we talking about? Lowry's going to score tonight. Put it on the board. Well, your Ginsburg wow. guarantees score shorty tonight. Yeah. Your Ginsburg guarantees aren't worth anything. That'd be his 10th ever short handed goal, has he? Well, they 10th or 11th. I'm pretty sure he's right behind. Actually, no, he'd be his 10th. I think he's at nine. And that would put him one behind Blake Wheeler with 11. Dave is the stat man. You know the fact. What do you do? Stay up all night reading these stats so you can have them at your fingertips? No, no, not fingertips. This is this is brain power, Drew. I mean, I might be wrong, but who knows? <laughs> I'll, check. You that, that, I'll check. That, that, yeah, you'll check. I'm sure you will. In any event, that's just you know another level of concern for the the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Hellbuck or Riddick? Do you guys think tonight? You know, they got a back-to-back situation. Usually the starter would always get the the you know the, the front end of the game. Um, it would be unusual for the Jets to go uh, Hellebuck. I'm not going to pat myself on the half. back, Drew, sorry, quick, but I'm right. 
Okay. Well, congratulations on knowing the shorthanded goal uh, career totals. That is impressive. So back to my question, though, as, we, as we're waiting for Eric to, to join us, Hellebuck or Riddick tonight? I would expect it to be Hellebuck for the reason that you just gave, Drew, yeah. that usually we've seen Hellebuck in the first game of a back-to-back situation. Obviously, I don't think any of us would be surprised here if, if it was Riddick, but I think also you want Hellebuck to bounce back a little bit. I don't think he was bad at all mm-hmm. in, in allowing those three goals against the Leafs. But yeah, my money, if I had any, would be on on Bucky getting the start here against the the Senators, and then you go with Riddick against Philly. Yeah, I mean, uh, by and large, that's usually how things will work. We'll see, obviously, in about an hour's time if that uh, is different for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not sure what that reason would necessarily be, but this is a busy stretch, as we know. You know, Thursday it's three and four, and then they play Tuesday and then Thursday. So you know, it's it, you know, it's there's there. The light is at the end of the tunnel. They're they're approaching it when it comes to getting that ten days off. You know, right? Uh, Actually, the, eleven. Eleven days off. Yeah, because they have the last day in January. It's not right, like okay. I've circled every day on my calendar and wrote <laughs> wrote Yippee Kaye, but uh, I am a little bit excited for that eleven day break, boys. This is this is the big circle that says Ezzy to save the marriage. Is that is that what it, is that what it looks like on the calendar? Yeah, let's just say that I'm going to have some work to do during those uh, eleven days, guys. Like I've already started doing push ups and sit ups. Why? Why start now? <laughs> you know, it's been a long time since you've done those, so why start now? Uh, in any event, that's where uh, things are at uh, with the Winnipeg Jets so far this morning. Uh, you know, this Jets team is. You know, the trade deadline is, of course, uh, approaching. Mike McIntyre, our buddy, wrote about it in today's paper about the the need to bring Jonathan Taves back. Or that's Did Mike, Jets... was that a love letter to Jonathan Taves? Is that what, what that was? There was a columnist, to, uh, you know, expressing a, a, a opinion that he should no, be. No, uh... no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I mean, look at, I mean, I don't think, I think we all agree Jonathan Taves isn't the same player mm-hmm. you know, that he once was. I don't think you're expecting him to do what he did for the Chicago Blackhawks when they were winning the Stanley Cups. I would hope. Um, but if, if can... you are expecting that, you're, 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 still, well, you're, yeah, you're, turns, you're a little silly. He turns 35 in, in April and I, I, maybe I shouldn't speak because I turned 45, 40 last July, not 45 yet. <laughs> but uh, look, if you only have to give up a second or third round pick to get Jonathan Taves, I think, you know, you definitely have to think about it at the very least if you're Chevy. Yeah, I mean, I think so, but I don't think that that can be your only move. So I think there does need to be additional moves beyond that. Because Jonathan Taves, I mean, look, he's playing, you know, you know, in a, in an elevated role for Chicago because they they are a terrible team. If he played on the Jets, he wouldn't be playing a top six role. He'd be playing, you know, uh, on a on a checking line with 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 Adam Lowry, you know, things of that nature. So I think, you know that it's a, it's a good addition for a second or a third round pick because the price isn't significant, Dave, but I do think it needs to need to be something more than that, that that can't be it. And then Chevy say job, job done here. No, no, no. You're just adding depth. And I mean, look, if you're going for it, you're going for it. And if anybody caught the uh, chat that uh, Kevin Shovel day off had with Bob McGowan and John Shannon, which is featured on illegalcurve.com, you can go watch it there after our show, of course. But um he, he essentially kind of confirmed what we all expected is that he's not really going to go big game hunting. So I know Scotty Billick wrote about Timo Meyer and what he would be look, look like for the, for the Jets club. Obviously that'd be a long-term one. And despite the fact that he, he ripped Winnipeg for our Wi-Fi and all the other factors, I think he was one of those sharks who did that. So he'd have some amends to make here in Winnipeg, but it sounds like from what Kevin Sheveldayoff said with those uh, two veteran media guys was the fact that, it's the Jets. He's like, it's, it's more, he's thinking along the Stasny lines. And he even mentioned Stasny referenced Stasny in the conversation. So if you're, if you're Kevin, if you're a Jets fan, 
not that I think Jonathan Taves qualifies as big game hunting or big name hunting, as I call it, but I think that you're going to expect him to make complementary moves that are going to augment this team and not really uh, impact it in a significant way, but adding that depth that you're going to, that the team needs, because quite frankly, they do need it. You need to have that additional scoring depth. You do need to have the ability to augment your team to uh, ward off, you know, injury. And, and look, Drew, Sam Gagne played an elevated role. He played first power play, played on with Dylan Larkin on the first line last year in Detroit. And he still managed to come to Winnipeg. And even though sometimes he's a healthy scratch, mm-hmm. he's contributed. So yeah, you're not, you're not going to be that same first line guy, first power play guy, but you can still contribute. And the reality for a guy like Taves, you'd hope. And again, I'm not pushing for it. I just, you know, although let me tell you, he'd help in the faceoff circle that alone with this is an area that of concern for Winnipeg. But I just think like you're still going to be able to use him if needed, similar to Gagne, which is not a bad thing because a guy who can, especially who can maybe get a little bit streaky and score like we saw at the beginning of the year, maybe that, maybe he gets reinvigorated. I know folks are thinking, are you going to have an Andrew Harris? The guy comes back to Winnipeg, leads his team to a championship. Who knows? But I mean, (laughs) let me tell you, it'd make for a heck of a good storyline. You know, obviously, you know, uh, no trade clauses, you know, are a factor, you know, in, in terms of getting people to come to Winnipeg, although they can be waived, uh, as we've seen before with, uh, you know, with uh, Paul Stasny. But I'm not sure why Chevy wouldn't be game big game hunting at this point, uh, at this point in the season, at this point, you know, to try and really, you know, give give the Jets an extra level up to, uh, you know, to get well, and also you know, even because... closer to the upper echelon. Right. And also because a lot of teams right now are doing the exact same thing, right? Like you don't see, you don't think Carolina and Boston. Sure. And Carolina just lost Patchy already. Exactly. Patchy already for the rest of the year. You don't think the Golden Knights and the, and the Avalanche and the Stars, they're, you know, considering bringing in, you know, additions before the the trade deadline. I mean, you've Mm -hmm. got, you know, probably six or 10, 10 teams that you could say, you know, definitively are buyers, right? So, I think, you know, Chevy's got a, it's an arms race, right? Like it always is an arms race, mm. especially in a year in the Western Conference when it's completely wide open like it is, right? So I, I do think that there's going to be more than one move. And it's interesting, right? Like it's fun for us to talk about this, you know, Jonathan Taves, Timo Meyer, the different players that the, the Jets could acquire. I mean, there's there's definitely some guys out there that we haven't mentioned, right? Like Paul Stastny back in 2018, right. that was a surprise. Nobody really saw that coming, right? So yeah, I, I I would expect Chevy to be busy leading up to the trade. Well, and, and I just want to jump in on the point that Hunter Bob made because he says, if Chevy was big game hunting, do you think he would tell anyone? And sometimes it's about <laughs> misdirection, right? So True. perhaps he goes and he talks to those guys and people like me watch the, the podcast, watch the video and say, hey, Chevy is more inclined to kind of nibble around the edges and talk to someone who may not, you may not expect it. So you never know exactly what is going to happen with with these guys you never know the message they're trying to get out. And oftentimes it gets leaked by other GMs who are trying to increase prices. So we see, I mean, you, you always have to take everything with a bit of a grain of salt. And uh, like I said, that's what we do. And it's, it's the silly season already. And it was inter- one of the other things that Kevin Sheveldayoff said was they're still having their amateur meetings next week. They're meeting with their pro scout. So mm-hmm. the reality is even though that the media, our friends and ourselves as well, talk about this sort of thing, he said, "Come January first, the reality is they're still looking at their their amateur, not, you know, notes, and they're still looking at their um, pro, having the pro meetings. And so, realistically, until the teams have all of that in place, you're not really thinking. I'm not saying that they won't make trades, but it, that stuff has to kind of 
fall into line before you're ready to do that. So likely, unless you see something that just jumps out at you. But my guess is that's why you're probably not going to see something for another couple of weeks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know the, that it does. You know the pro. The pro. Can somebody game. make a trade? Like when was the last time there was a trade in the NHL? I think yesterday. I think yesterday. Yeah, okay. but not not a significant one. I think we are now joined by Manitoba yeah, Moose assistant be. coach Eric Dubois. <laughs> Eric, good morning. Can you hear us? Can you see us? How are things? Yeah, no, everything's all right. That's good. Unfortunately, you can see us. That's probably what you're thinking in the back of your head. It's like, I'd rather not see those yetzes again. But we'll turn our, turn our cameras off, Eric. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. It is a game day, so we know how busy things are, but we do appreciate you carving out some time for us to join us uh, this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Uh, the Moose today, this afternoon, against the uh, Texas Stars. You know, as of late, Eric, it's been, you know, some good and then some bad for the Moose. It seems like there's not an inability or just haven't been able to get on a roll where you're able to string a couple wins together, two, three, four wins together, uh, you know, from your perspective, you know, how do you sort of get over that hill to try and get those, uh, a winning streak uh, moving forward for this team? Yeah, you're right. We're, we've been playing for 500 for, for a while. And uh, I think it's, uh, there's always something going on uh, on our game, whether it's a five on five missing and the special teams are doing really good. Uh, whether it's uh, the goaltending, not a, as, as strong as it was earlier. It seems like there's always something missing lately, and it prevents us from uh, going on the on the roll. Um, uh, I think we're playing, we're playing some good hockey, obviously, against Chicago. We're a little bit tired from that 12 uh, days road trip, but uh, on the road, we had some good performance against Belleville. Uh, uh, even though we lost 6-1, I thought it was one of our best games. And, uh, and against uh, Toronto, was the same thing. We were really strong. Uh, didn't come up with a win, but uh, that's what I'm saying. I feel like there's always something miss- missing, whether it's a 5-on-5 special team or, or uh, some uh, lapses defensively. But, uh, uh, yeah, we- we've been playing r- good hockey. We just need to put all those things together. You know, Eric, you just mentioned uh, defense, and you work primarily with the defensemen. And, and we have to ask you about Declan Chisholm. This is his third year uh, with the Moose. It was recently announced that he's going to be going to the AHL All-Star Game. He's on pace for a career year. I believe he's up to 27 points now uh, on the season. Just h- how nice has it been to see how he has developed and then you know get rewarded with a berth in the AHL All-Star Game? Well, every year we uh, we set uh, some uh, you know standard or some things to improve you know and uh, and uh, when he joined us it was all about offense we asked him to to become a good two way defenseman and and again this year he's having more penalty kill than uh, he ever had the last uh, couple of years and he's been doing really good blocking shots uh, good reads good stick on the PK so every year we try to to implement some uh, something new from him so he's uh, as ready as he could be when once he uh once he joins uh, the jets and uh and this year uh i feel like offensively he's taking another step where every night he wants to make a, a game difference uh, and uh, that that's good that means he's uh, he's got a lot of confidence in him and uh and uh he's getting really really close to becoming an everyday nhl player for sure sometimes we take for granted that guys are going to just come over here, especially younger players from, you know, Europe and just adapt. And it's, there's so many things that these guys have to account for. It's not just playing the hockey and playing on a different size rink, but living in a, in a different country and all that comes with that, especially at a young age, leaving your family. 
what kind of adjustment have you seen in Simon Lundmark, the 2019 second rounder for the Jets? I mean, he's in his second full campaign with with the Moose. What what are you seeing from him that you didn't see last year, or just improvements in general? He's a very shy guy, uh, uh, you know. First, and then and then when you come from another country, you know it's uh, uh, and and you're shy. You're not an outgoing person. Sometimes you kind of stay in your corner. You're not willing to take your place into a dressing room or or into a team and uh, and I, I feel like that's all he was last year it was just standing behind uh, everybody and obviously we had really six strong defensemen last year with Kovacevic, Zamberg, uh, Vili, Jimmy so he kind of uh, instead of forcing the door he kind of stepped back and just watch and, uh, and and try to learn as much as he could but uh, this year it was an opening uh, I think he knew and understood how to how to uh, uh, being around her team, you know, what he needed to do to take his place into our uh, team. And a uh, big step from him this year, you know, uh, last year, obviously, playing in a small ice surface also, it was kind of a shock. Uh, it was kind of shocking for him knowing that he didn't have as much time because he's uh, he's got a lot of poise, you know. Uh, there's not much urgency in his game sometimes, you know, where I, I got time, I could, you know, I have time to recuperate that puck, nobody's coming on me. And uh, at times he got surprised or by a big hit last year. So, so coming in this year, he understood that part, uh, and we're seeing a big improvement in his uh, in his game. Uh, I think there's still some consistency uh, to work with, but uh, big, big, big step from one year uh, year one to year two. Eric Dubois, Manitoba Moose assistant coach, is our guest Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The Moose in action tonight, or this afternoon, rather, against the Texas Stars. Uh, Eric, you know, there's been a number of, of players that have played for the Moose this year that probably, uh, or at the time this year, also played for the Winnipeg Jets. Jansen Harkins, Dominic Toninato, Christian Reichel. I can keep going down the list. You know, these guys, when they when they go up to the NHL level and then they come back to the uh, Manitoba Moose how have they sort of taken their NHL experience and used it in the Moose dressing room to maybe better themselves and better their teammates well uh, every year is different you know um, depending on uh, who goes up and who comes down you know whether it's a young player um, you know sometimes young players will just come back down and and just take their place where an older player will will uh uh, use more his leadership. Uh, uh, like to- Dominic Toninato is a good example. He's a little bit older, been in the NHL for a while, came back, had some uh, positive influence uh, on the bench in the dressing room, where younger kids, sometimes they just uh, back to business. They want to go back up as uh, as quick as possible. So, uh, yeah, we see, we see it differently from different players. Uh, uh, but Tony, uh, so far this year, uh, Stenlin earlier this year uh, was very, very positive and uh, and uh, a big uh, addition to our team as far as leadership with the young kids. Uh, I thought Stenlin did a good job with Lambert uh, earlier this year. So, uh, yeah, it all depends uh, who comes down. You know, the younger player usually, they just take their place where the older player will, will have a better, uh, uh, will have more influence in the dressing room. Eric, you mentioned Vili Hainala earlier, and obviously you've had a, a big part in, in his development. And the last few games he's he's struggled. Uh, I, I'm sure that you've seen uh, some of the, the mistakes that Hainala has made. And obviously, you know, that's going to come, I think you'd agree with, with any young defenseman who's trying to establish himself 
in, in, in as a regular NHL player. What do you think the key for him is to, you know, get his confidence back and, and start playing better? Because I think you'd agree. I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of his skill set. I think the, the whole Jets organization thinks that he's going to have a really bright future with the team. But for you, just watching him the last two or three games, what, what do you think the key for him is to, to get back to, to playing like that defenseman that we've, you know, when he's playing at that top level, he's really in, uh, a thrill to watch? Yeah, I, I think Vili, the biggest obstacle right now is the, is the mental aspect where he's very demanding on himself. And, and sometimes a hockey player, we could be, uh, uh, we could be self-destructed. Uh, you know, we make a mistake and then uh, it's hard sometimes for some players to move on from that mistake. And then next shift, you're not as, as ready as you should be. You know, you still dwell on the, on the mistake on, or on the goal you got score on. And Vili's got that tendency of... Uh, of uh, he's missing a play, he's missing a pass, or he's getting scored to, to dwell on those on those play a little bit too long, you know. And in the NHL, it comes it comes too fast, you know. And it, you have to be ready mentally to to play next shift. And uh, I always tell my defensemen, you know, you gotta have a selective memory, you know. You got you gotta forget quick, move on. Next shift is more important than the last one, you know. But but it's a lot easier for me to say that behind the bench than to actually doing on the ice and I was I was just the same way when I was a player sometimes you know it took me a couple shifts it took me something to happen that to forget about that uh, that shift or that goal again so I I think that's uh it'll come with maturity for for Vili I think he's getting a lot better than he was earlier in his career uh but but I I could see it still you know I watched the last uh last game where he got scored three times and uh, I could tell that uh, he, he was affected by the first and then the second and and so on and so on. So I think it's just uh, the mental aspect of forgetting what happened and moving on quick to, to the next uh, shift. You know? So yay or nay to iPads on the bench for players, uh, Eric? <laughs> well, it sure doesn't help to forget about the mistake you made if you watch that play over and over again. <laughs> So, Eric, you had 174 penalty minutes one year for the Atlanta Knights in the IHL. So you're not afraid to be in the penalty box occasionally if you had to. Another player that, you know, you're now bringing along, Tyrell Bauer. I'd be remiss. Chad always wants to know about this, this young Jets prospect. He, too, isn't afraid to uh, end up in the penalty box. Um, it's not something we see very much of in hockey anymore. But he sure seems to be, even though he's a 20-year-old kid playing his first year of pro, he seems to acquit himself quite well when it comes to, and to be honest with you, I was, I was at the game. I didn't think he needed to fight because I thought it was a clean hit in the neutral zone, but he's not going to back down. And he sure took on a big guy and handled himself quite well. Yeah, no, no. I'd stay away from him if I was a player. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, you don't see those type of player uh, much anymore. But uh, uh, one thing, he understand the game. I think I think he was just trying to wake up uh, our team mm -hmm. last game by, uh, by, you know, getting in a fight, uh, try to bring some energy to our bench, which we needed. Uh, mm -hmm. You could tell our players were uh, a little bit tired, you know, and a lack of energy from uh, probably from a road trip. Uh, so he, he, uh, that's one thing for a 20 year old to understand momentum of a game, uh, what's happening on the ice, why to do it, why not to do it. Uh, he's learning every day, but he sure is not afraid of anybody in our league. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and he knows everybody. That's, that's, that's one thing that uh, if he gets in the fight, he won't get caught by surprise by, uh, by the other player. He knows everything about everybody. 
uh, whether they're lefty or righty, how they're doing, how they're, what they're doing. You know, he's uh, he uh, it seems like he's preparing himself really, uh, really well for 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 that. But but the main thing for him is uh, I try to improve his five on five play every day. He works hard during practice. He wants to become a better player, not just a fighter. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that's one thing we uh, we preach with him is. Uh, we don't want to be you to become that player that we only use for that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the main focus for him this year was the five-on-five. Eventually, you know, bring the penalty kill uh, uh, up to standard with him. You know, no uh, understanding how to play uh, on a PK in a, at the pro level, but uh, big, big, big improvement. He works hard. We're uh, really, really satisfied with his improvement. Eric Dubois, Manitoba Moose assistant coaches, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live this Saturday morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. You know, Eric, there were, we talked about some players who were, you know, with the Jets and now they're with the Moose. A couple guys who were with the Moose and now they're back in junior hockey, Chaz Lucius and, and Colin Lambert. Uh, pardon Brad me, Lambert. Brad Lambert. Colin Lambert, somebody that's completely separate. Brad Lambert, sorry. You know, what if you had to tell you know uh, Jets fans, Moose fans about those guys? What sort of the the words that come to mind? You know, obviously they're you know, first year pros, uh, at least at the in North America. They're learning the game a little bit. But what stood out to you the most about both of their games? Well, you know, obviously Brad was a skill level. You know, he's uh, he's got uh, pro skill. You know, whether it's skate, you know, good hands, good shot. Um, uh, that was obvious to us, uh, you know, the the, the pro uh, pro skill that he had. And now now it's to play to play a more complete game, to play a more five on five game. Uh, uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of skilled player will will have a tendency to play more with them, uh, you know, with themselves instead of using their their teammates on the ice, uh, reading uh, reading different plays that they couldn't use, you know, uh, their teammates. So. We we thought that was one one area where Brad could uh, uh, use more of a system. Uh, you know, how do I play in a system uh, team game? You know, and uh, and we felt like a uh, uh, playing junior would help him playing a, a more complete game uh, with his teammates, playing the system. You know, and, and things like that. And uh, Chaz Chaz the same way. Uh, a really good hockey sense, uh, could read plays. Uh, could adapt really quick. Uh, we saw that earlier this year, where the first game was a little bit tough, uh, and then second game he adapted to the uh, whoever we play against or whoever he play against, uh, any player. So uh, his hockey sense is really, really good. Uh, you could tell the way he was adapting. We just felt like uh, the pace of the game also for him to gain confidence, become the. Uh, the players that he could become uh, would be a lot easier to do it at the gen- junior level. Um, it's never easy for those guys to go back junior, but but listen, I, I I lived that situation with my son. He was drafted third overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent him back to junior because they said uh, f- physically, especially with torch training camp, you know. <laughs> Physically, uh, playing a different position, like he was just starting to learn to play center. Uh, they felt like he uh, needed to go back junior, uh, have more ice time, gaining confidence. Uh, you know, we we want those offensive players at one point to become difference maker at the pro level. If we never give them a chance to become difference maker at any level, how can they suddenly become a difference maker at the NHL level? It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's not. 
and and playing for us they were they were just another player you know they were not difference maker for us because they're only 18 and 19 that, that that's all it is so for us to send them back junior i think it's the greatest thing we could have done for them hey go back junior try to be a difference maker try to go win a championship become the players that you should become when you're turned 23 24 25 years old and then they'll they'll know what it is to become a difference maker and on a championship team you know and uh, that's exactly what happened for my son they sent him back junior got tra- traded to a contender uh played for team canada on the first line with uh barzil and then strong uh, at junior level they made it all the way to the finals so he had to be the difference maker for his team but that's where he learned to do it you know you don't learn that at the pro, pro level it's impossible and it's worked out pretty well for pierre luke yeah, no, no, <laughs> but I think I think it'll be the same thing for Brad and uh, Chaz, you know. And and you know that that's a perfect segue, Eric, because I was going to say this is a, a perfect opportunity for you to be a, a proud papa here, and we could talk a, a lot about Pierre Luke because he's having an unbelievable season for the Jets. But we specifically wanted to mention earlier this week, uh, it was announced that the Pierre Luke Dubois Foundation was being launched, taking over from from Vinny LeCavalier, who I imagine. Um, you know, has had a big influence on 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 Pierre Luke's career, and you know, we just wanted to ask you know how proud you are of of your son for taking over that foundation and that initiative because I believe he was um, involved with with Vinny LeCavalier in the past with his uh, when he was running the foundation. Just so so, how proud are you of of Pierre Luke Dubois? <laughs> Pierre Luke, you know your last name. Um, how how <laughs> proud are you of of Pierre Luke? Just you know, with with the foundation and also just. You know, how great of a year he's having uh, up with the Jets. No, I am proud. You know, I always say, uh, you know, pay pay attention when those players are around. Uh, uh, you know, Crosby was coming around at times. Uh, Rimouski, uh, Brad Richard was another one that was a good friend with Vincent LeCavalier. So he was always around that, that tournament. And I was always saying, pay attention. See how... You know how they act, what they how they behave, you know, and uh, and what they're trying to do. And uh, for him, uh, about four years ago, four or five years ago, uh, uh, when uh, Vincent stopped stopped the foundation because he stopped playing, and uh, and uh, he was trying to take care of his family. I think one of his son is uh, really big in golf, also, and uh, and things like that. So, uh, and he uh, he said, Dad, I'd like to. Uh, maybe to take over that foundation at one point, you know, and, uh, and uh, so he reached out for the guys that were in charge of uh, the foundation. And, and for him being around that tournament, he knew those people also uh, play hockey with uh, one of the son of, the, uh, of those guys. So, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's nice to see that he wants uh, to, to be involved with minor hockey, young kids, uh, underprivileged kid that uh, would like to play hockey but can't afford because you know just like me guys that hockey is so expensive nowadays mm-hmm. uh man uh, you understand sometimes where why kids or family choose other sports but uh but it is a great sports and and pl uh was you know hey dad if i could help any kids uh, let's can let's do it you know so yeah of course i'm really proud of that uh see my daughter getting involved with him also she's uh uh, part of the, you know, the CA of that foundation. So it's nice to see them together, doing things together and, <laughs> and exchanging, uh, you know, ideas about what, what to do or what they could do. Uh, so it's it's always nice. 
And as far as this season, you know, obviously he wants to get better every year. And this year, I think he took another step. So that's nice to see, you know. Okay, Eric, there's a lot of giving this weekend for the Moose, hopefully just in terms of the off ice and what they're giving away. They're going to be giving away hats to all the fans who come, the 2000s. Although some of your players, even though they were born in the early 2000s, they didn't, they didn't do too well in the trivia game. But I have a bigger question about the, the bobblehead. Jimmy Olney. First of all, do you think that looks like Jimmy? And second of all, uh, and on a serious note, how, how nice is it to have him back? I know he's been around the team, but yeah. he's skating again. He, you know, we originally thought it was going to be a Christmas return. Now it looks like sometime next month, maybe late this month, or, you know, I saw him or in the, we talked a little bit. He's not hundred percent certain, but just to, you know, the fact that your team as young as they are, and it's one thing we don't really talk about, but the Moose are a young team. You guys are still going along and you're doing it without, such an integral part of your team like Jimmy Olney. So what will it mean to you to have him back uh, among, you know, on the ice, you know, providing that kind of element? Because really without, he does bring an edge, kind of a, he's almost like a sheriff out there. He makes sure that nothing really happens. And especially with a younger team, that's kind of important. Uh, hey, uh, you're absolutely right. He's our sheriff, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and uh, and him being around the team now practicing, you, you could see a little bit the intensity of uh, practice going up a little bit. Uh, especially when we do those five-on-five five, uh, drills. You know, uh, he's very physical. He wants to get himself ready uh, to play, so he keeps everybody on, on, the, on the edge. But uh, big influence on the bench when he's, obviously, when he plays. Uh, but you could tell he's getting himself ready. Uh, one of those games that we lost on the road, I could tell he was not happy after the game. You know, he let a few players know also as oh. He's right around the corner, you know. <laughs> but uh, he's got that ability a little bit like I think uh, Tyrell's learning how to do that. And I think Jimmy's helping him a lot uh, as far as uh, reading those situations. But Jimmy uh, had that ability of uh, teams falling asleep to either to try to wake them up on the bench or you do something on the ice to to, to bring everybody to the battle. And uh and that's what good leaders and, and players like him are so valuable to our team where they recognize situation and, and they bring everybody uh, up to, to the uh, level of emotion that you need to, to be successful on the ice. So, yeah, to, to see him that he's right around the corner, it's a big plus for him, for us. It's a big plus in the dressing room, too. You could tell uh, uh, before practice, now he's... Uh, He's uh, teasing uh, Leon, you know, he's uh, mocking those guys a little bit, try to wake them up a little bit. So it's uh, it'll be a big plus for us. We want to make sure that he's ready when he comes back. Uh, we don't want to have to do any step back, but uh, uh, he's working hard uh, and uh, he'll be in there pretty soon. Eric Dubois, the Manitoba Moose assistant coach, the Moose in action this afternoon against the Texas Stars. Eric, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight. Good luck this afternoon, and we'll do it again real soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure, guys. Take care, Eric. Thanks, Thanks so coach. much. There Thanks. he goes, Eric Dubois, Manitoba Moose assistant coach, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. When we come back, we'll talk about that interview. We'll talk more about the Jets. Much more to come. John Mattis at the bottom of the hour to talk about his article on Kyle Connor. It's a Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Don't go anywhere. We're live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. 
Late Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. Why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. As I mentioned at the bottom of the hour, John Mattis, National Hockey Writer for The Score, is going to join us to the great profile, great piece on Kyle Connor. You can check that out. I'm sure it's on IllegalCurve.com. Uh, you can just Google it. I'm sure you can find it there as well. Uh, big thanks to Eric Dubois for joining us. So well-spoken, so articulate, so honest. You really appreciate uh, that from an interview, and that is what, what we got from eric dubois this morning so uh kudos to you dave m for arranging that big thanks to uh the moose uh team there too for uh making it come to reality but really nice to hear from him a guy that uh you know you might not people don't necessarily hear from all that often uh you know given he's the assistant coach and he's the assistant coach for the moose so you may not necessarily hear from him but this was a great opportunity to do so and he was uh certainly stepped up to the game uh in, in with a great conversation today Absolutely. I love hearing him talk about Pierre-Luc as well. He, I, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, he could talk longer about Pierre-Luc's season, but, you know, you love, you know, you could see how proud he was in, in the way he was talking about him and his daughter as well, being involved with the Pierre-Luc Dubois Foundation, but also, you know, really interesting to hear his comments on, on the team this year. And Dave just mentioned it, right? It is a young team. And, you know, they've they've had, I think, even more movement 
up and down between the Jets and the Moose than in previous years, right, guys? Because we know mm -hmm. it's a developmental league, and we know the Moose are a developmental team. But this year, especially when the Jets had seven or eight guys injured, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. Like, not many people, for example, thought Kevin Stenland would be playing as many games with the with the Jets this year. And yeah. and that's with all due respect to Stenland because he deserves to be in the lineup, you know, right now. But I don't know if a lot of people back in, let's say, late September, early October, Dave, you know, mm -hmm. thought Jansen Harkins would play more games with the Moose than than with the Jets, right? So yep. there's there's been more movement than normal, and also you know Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert. It's not really common that you know you have two guys you know, start the season with the Moose and then go back to the WHL, right? So um, you know I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, and obviously you know they've got some tough games coming up. Texas is leading the division, yep. and as you know the Toronto Marlies are also leading the division. So you know these are big games for the Moose. Uh, you know they they want to pick up some victories here. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really like those comments that he made. And one of the things, you know, as Drew said, you get a lot of insight and a lot of honesty when you, when you speak with Eric Dubois. And one of the things that, I mean, as I've talked about, one of the things that I like that the Moose do is that they make the assistant coaches available uh, to that. I, I mean, part of it, I think, is that the head coach doesn't necessarily want to talk to me that much. But, you know, regardless, <laughs> it is. It is Manuk's here again. Good yeah, dude. it is. It is. Somebody else do this interview. It's actually the opposite. People I've told people this, you know, that that, you know, that we know, obviously. But, you know, some people that, you know, that don't really follow yeah. this. But oh, you're, like, you're not just going up to random strangers and telling them. No, this? but when, like Dave isn't at a moose game. Like Zinger actually is like, what's going on here? Where's Manuk? Like, it's <laughs> like it's like something is not right if Dave Manuk is not at Canada Life Center. So Dave is just as important to the Moose as uh, as basically anything. Uh, I, I don't know if I go that far, go that but anyways, far. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. As Anyways, yeah. point yeah. is that, uh, that you know, I, I liked his comments because, again, it provides a level of insight, right? Of what And he spoke about it with respect to Pierre-Luc and the idea yeah. of going back to the NHL. And look, if the Jets can get one of those two or two of those two to develop the way Pierre-Luc Dubois has developed, that will be a huge win for the organization. But I think it was, I, I mean, I personally was of the opinion I thought maybe Chaz Lucius's world juniors might influence the the team and because he obviously had a very good tournament so you thought maybe that would influence them to keep him but I think it was the right decision to give them both that opportunity to play you know Chaz Lucius um one because Brad Lambert uh, even though he's played pro for a couple of years now he Different. you know he's been inconsistent and I think it'll give him an opportunity to kind of really gain traction and gain confidence which is something that isn't easy to achieve at the pro level, especially for guys who are pure goal scorers or can mm -hmm. be very good goal scorers. And for Chaz Lucius, I mean, look, he was injured a lot in Minnesota. He only played one part of one year there. So he didn't have a lot of hockey games and he was injured, of course, prior to his draft year. Right. So from a perspective, from his perspective, the opportunity to go up against, you know, junior guys, I think it'll be really beneficial. So uh, again, I'm not saying it as, as, as eloquently as Eric did, but I do think it is an important distinction that he made about, what those guys will gain the opportunity to dominate and, and really contribute and, and push, you know, Portland and Seattle, two best teams in the West in the WHL. So it's going to be a good chance for them, you know, eventually to go up against the ice and what well, we think the ice red deer is a very good team too. Mm -hmm. uh, the ice are playing moose. The ice are in the East division. Just so, just so you know, Dave said the two best teams in the West. So yeah. we're not saying that the ice aren't one of the best teams, no, 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 but no, no. some people forget best. that the, because it's the Western Hockey League, yeah, yeah. ice the Wheat Kings, they're in the East Division. Yes, yes, yes. The yes, Wheat yes. Kings are the the ice are the easternmost team in the in the Western in the WHL, and the right. Western Hockey League. So so anyway, so you've got them and the ice are hosting the Moose Jaw Warriors tonight. I think that's an eight oh five start, and uh, Moose Jaw's fourth fourth place team in the East. 
has he? But uh, anyways, <laughs> it, it'll be a good it'll be a good opportunity for those guys to go up to the uh, to go down to junior and, and really dominate. Well, you know what good. I thought that was so interesting that Eric said because you said it with reference to Lucius and with and Lambert, uh, not Colin Lambert. I don't know where I came up with that one. That was uh, that was an interesting one on my part. Uh, but also about Vili Hainla, just the, the you know the, the the importance of confidence. Yep, and the importance of being able to flush the previous play and and stay in the moment of the game and how difficult that is and i mean i'm sure it's it, it's something that you only can really learn i think with time and experience because you're a young player you're wanting to make an impact you're wanting to make a contribution and then all of a sudden your contribution is on the negative side and not on the positive side it can't be easy just to brush that off and that is what comes with i think uh, playing many games and, and learning how to, you know, in the midst of the game, flush it, learn about it, I think, after the game. After the game is where you can do that study. So I do understand this whole... But you still have to flush it, right? Like, that's the whole thing, right? Like, you right. You, you have to... You, you have, don't let you, it linger from game to game. Exactly, and that's kind of what you've seen, I think, a little bit with Hainal. He was much better against the Leafs. I mean, there's no doubt that. I mean, well, the game against to be the much Habs worse was, than he was against the Habs. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah. you're right, and you have to remind yourself that he's 21 years old, right? You have to remind yourself that Brad Lambert is 18 years old and Chaz Lucius is 19 years old. Like these guys, you know, have a lot of time mm. to still establish themselves both at the AHL and and the NHL level, right? Like we don't expect Lucius and Lambert to spend a lot of time at the AHL level. These are really skilled, you know, both first round picks, right? But right. I think Hano will be fine. But I mean, he's definitely a guy. If he does stay in the lineup, and you know, right now it looks like he is because Dylan Sandberg is dealing with a flu or illness, whatever it is. We should know is, more right? in the next. We should know more in the next right. fifteen or so. But minutes. regardless, Drew, if if yeah. if Hanola plays against Ottawa or if he plays against Philly or both, whatever, uh, I I think you know that that is a key for him just to play his game and forget about the fact that you know he the last few games haven't been his best. Um, all the skill is there, and I I think he will be better. I think you know the most important thing for him right now is to stay in the lineup, even though he's making mistakes in games. Well, you know, and that goes back to something that uh, Rick Bonus said earlier in the year, Dave, is that the NHL now, it used to not be this way, but given right. the influx of young talent, the NHL is to some degree also a development developmental league. Mm -hmm. It's not that what it once was where, you know, you came fully cooked and that's when you started playing yeah. uh, at the NHL level, is that the NHL does allow for those opportunities because just the nature of a salary cap league is you can't have everybody coming in uh, that, that, you know, that, that's a hundred percent ready to go. Now you want them pretty damn close to ready to go. You don't want them to be 50, 50 players for the most part, but you know, there is elements of development that happens, uh, you know, throughout an NHL season as well for young players. Yeah. I mean, look, you don't want it to be like the moose where you have a significant portion of your team to be young and developing or learning, or if right. you are, you know, like a Montreal or other, you know, some other organizations, if you're doing that, you're, or Ottawa, for example, you know, you may have some veterans interspersed, but for the most part, you're allowing them, but you know what your team is, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're a, if you're a championship caliber team, you're not doing that. You're not allowing development, you know, look, the, is, do I think the Detroit Red Wings model is, is a thing of the past? Maybe, you know, I mean, I, I think yeah, it might be, it may be. I mean, I think, I think it just, I think the problem, and I've said this too many times to count, but I think because we live in an instant gratification society, mm -hmm. uh, you know, nobody has patience for development. And I think it's a mistake, quite frankly. And I think what ends up happening is you get a guy, let's call it a Tage Thompson, 
right? And I'm not, look, I mean, that was a reason. And, and the, the Blues are making that trade every day of the week because they, they want, want to stand the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So we've talked about this a million times. You're willing to give up a guy who's going to end up scoring, you know, maybe 60 goals for the Buffalo Sabres. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they gave up on him. I mean, that was that's not necessarily the best example that I could use. Just jumped to my head. But I, I mean, look, you're willing, you, but you have to be prepared, right? And I think that, to be honest with you, I think that's the hesitation for the Jets with, with Logan Stanley. You know, I think that's the reason why they've hung on to Logan Stanley the way they have, because I think they're afraid if they make that kind of a, quote, hasty decision that he's going to become Zidane Chara, right? And I think like, so there's that, it's it's kind of like a on both sides of the pendulum. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, I think that there is, you know, for, for a guy like Billy Hainola, sometimes... And I don't know what it is, and, and and I'm not saying he's Sammy Niku because he's not, and 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 I, you know, it's amazing okay. how people can can rip on da 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 da. But like, I just think, oh, we've got some little ones coming into the frame. I think, <laughs> but hi. is that Aaron? No, it's Sam. Sam, oh, hi, Sam. How's it going, Sam? How do you, how's it going, buddy? Good. I'm right. gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go deal with a quick uh, TV issue. I'll be right Excellent. back. You guys keep yes. going. Let's take Drew out of the chat, and it is the Dave and Ezzy experience. Sweet. Yeah, you got to fix that TV. I mean, well, let's Sam's go. Sam's got to watch his Paw Patrol. Yeah, seriously. I know. I don't, I don't know if Sam watches Paw Patrol. He might watch something else, but I'm not. Paw Patrol is very big with the kids these days, Dave. I, I agree, Ezzy, but I will say, just to be clear, turd, I'm not suggesting that Logan Stanley is going to become Zidane Chara or anything like that. I'm I don't know why really... you called me a turd. Yeah, well, not you, Ezzy. I never said you, but you weren't the one who was questioning. Oh, I Anywho. you were calling me a turd. No, no, would never call. I'd call Drew a turd, especially when he's not listening, but you never. Um, Anywho, the point is that the teams will often do that and they'll make that decision right as that they'll like, okay, well, we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to lose a player who's going to potentially become this, you know, and that, I think that's that risk aversion that the Jets might have in terms of a guy like Logan Stanley. I mean, like I said, I think you can replace him and I don't think it would be astronomical, but you put a lot of development into him. And so that's why I think as organizations are hesitant, especially with like a guy like Billy Hainola, who unfortunately for him, he's waiver exempt this year, he's waiver exempt next year. And so because of that, oh, sorry, I was talking about Billy Hainola and his body language and how it was similar to Niku. Sometimes you see that a little bit with those guys and, and they just wear it on their sleeves better than, or more, not better, but more than other guys who can maybe, you know, they're, they're internalizing it. You know, they're going to go back and watch the iPad, but they visually don't give they don't have the same reaction viscerally, right? And so I think that's why it looks like, okay, well, you can see it's impacting him. And Eric Dubois said that, right? He could see in Billy watching it on TV how it was impacting him. Yeah, I, I know you want to talk about Billy Hainola. I'm, I'm more worried about, you know, do you think Drew's actually fixing the TV problem? I'm not sure if, you know, Drew knows anything beyond turning the TV off. Well, he obviously just hit the reset button. Yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't know what he's doing, right? So it's going to be interesting to see if uh, well, he's Papa back. Mandel, Let's find out. Okay, so how's the TV, Drew? The TV is fine. Uh, my wife and daughter are out, so Sam is upstairs uh, doing his oh, own thing. Oh, yeah. You got to make sure that you know Sam has his. Show. What is what is he watching? Is Sam too old for Paw Patrol, or does he still watch that? No, he's definitely too old for Paw Patrol. He's currently he wanted to uh, stop watching whatever show he was watching and uh, start playing his Nintendo Switch. So that's what he he's currently golfing upstairs uh, mm-hmm. using his Nintendo Switch. The other the other question I was going to ask is, shouldn't Sam be watching us? 
Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was watching us before. Uh, I'm sure that's what was happening before. He was in. He was you know, really enjoying our in-depth conversation. He did say he thought Eric Dubois was very articulate and well-spoken. Uh, I thought that was impressive because he's five and he said the word articulate and well-spoken. But uh, uh, in any event, no. Didn't think, Sam I, also really like Morgan Barron's game against the Leafs? Uh, he did. He thought he was really intrigued by him in the top six role, but he wants to see mo- more of Barron and Lowry together because of the uh, the impact that that line has had. That pairing is. Can you imagine if we had our kids on the show and we actually asked them questions about the Jets? It would be very funny. It would be amusing. Uh, it, w- it definitely would be. I, I don't think that we would get necessarily. Actually, they'd probably be as at least as equally as as, as insightful as we are. Now that I come to think yeah. of it, like their attention spans would be very similar to mine. Well, there you go. Here, Lisa says my son is eleven and loves watching your show. So thank you, Lisa. Oh, we appreciate awesome. that. That's uh, that's that's ter- that's tremendous. Uh, yeah, my kids have no interest in our. Shout show. out to we little Danko. Them. <laughs> little Dinko, as he. Uh, well, I don't anyways, know. I don't know Lisa's son. I know you name. don't know Lisa's son's name. That's okay. Lisa's a winner of the of IC merch, which is there coming her way soon. Yes, coming her way soon. And then I did a lot of deliveries already. I did a I lot. No, you're doing a great By job. Way, well, you're gonna have happy, to get something for Junior as well. Happy belated birthday to Linda Trudeau, who was a past winner. She it was her birthday on Monday. There you go. Congratulations to Linda or happy birthday to Linda as well. In any event, happy birthday to everybody and and, and all your beautiful children <laughs> and whomever you are. We'll see if Sam rejoins us at some point during uh, this morning's broadcast. It would well, not I don't surprise know, Drew, me. if he's playing Wii Golf, I think, you know, that's way better than, you know, hanging out with his dad in the uh, electrical room. He's pretty good uh, with the bowling as well. He's he's really got into it. It was the first video game system that we bought the kids. We bought it over the holidays, and uh, they've never played video games before. Uh, Sam is into it. Aaron is into it probably a little bit less. I haven't had a video game system, I think, since I had a Sega Genesis. So this would be uh, – it's been a long, long time since I uh, had a vi- – I was never a gamer. I'm still uh, not much of a gamer. Um, I haven't had You were a big snake guy, though, on your Nokia phone. That's true. I was a big snake guy. I remember, I remember when we first started, <laughs> we're getting our phones. Drew was one of the first people that was like on level 10 of snake or something like that back in the, the day. There's is, people that are in their 20s that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, by the way. That was what, yeah, before smartphones, you had the game that was called Snake, which was, yeah, it was a stupid I'm gonna game. I'm going to download that on my phone right now. You probably, I'm sure you can. I'm sure it's somewhere oh, in the I'm app sure. store or something, but it, it was a very I'll stop playing. Game. I'll stop playing. I'll stop playing Fortnite and I'll start playing that. Do you play Fortnite, Dave? Not anymore. I stopped. Did I was you playing used for a while, to? though. Oh yeah, I played for nerd solid, alert. Solid year. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna say I smoked Patrick Laine once in a game, but let's just say. Did you? No. Oh okay. <laughs> I did get a lot of victories though. Do you want me to want me to play some of my kills? I got some kills here. No, I know nothing about it aside from the fact. that I, You know what's funny? I stayed away. From, I st- I didn't really get interested, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'll give this a whirl. Everybody's talking about it. it's annoying, and then uh, sure enough, I started playing, and actually it was fun. The only games I liked is the sports games. Those were, you know, yeah. when I played video games, I could never get into, I was never a Zelda guy. I was never a... You were a big Zelda. Joe Madden football guy, right? Or pardon me, Joe Montana. Yeah, well, John Madden is who you're talking about. I know, about. I meant to yeah. say John, remember Joe Montana? He related to, is he related to Colin Lambert? I think they're brothers. Uh, again, I, I mean, I haven't played anything since uh, Sega Genesis. Once there were too many buttons, I was out. I was like, I can handle three buttons. There's all my kills right there. Well, you apparently Hashtag you have them video. very, very handy, Dave. That's impressive. No, I, went to, I went to the Xbox app. It's not a big deal. Okay. Well, I'm, not Kombat, a, I'm not a boomer. Mortal Kombat like was one of the best games ever for Sega Genesis, for sure. Well, remember when, like, Morgan Kombat uh, went... Remember when... Uh, 
uh, like Mortal Kombat was like you know restricted because it was too violent, and now like I think they show those like that kind of violence during daytime TV, like it's some kids' cartoons. They're ripping out other characters' hearts and like eating them or whatever. The hell I will say though, it was, quite an, it, it was quite an. It was quite yeah. I, Dave, I think you should finish him. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to as well. I will say though, the adjustment from the Nintendo AB to all like like using buttons yeah. down here here, but eventually you figure it out. You gotta like dislocate fingers to play yeah, these games. Good. I'm not that's, that's too much for me. I'm not I'm not I'm not on board with that. All but, right, uh, let's I, move anyway. on to something you are on board with. Like what, talking what about is that? I'm not even sure what we were what we're on board with anymore. I don't know what you guys were talking about. I had to go put on the Nintendo Get Senators Switch. tonight at we six o'clock central. Oh, okay. well, we were we were talking about uh body language and and hey Nola and uh now we can move on to a different subject. Drew, I mean what is this, what is the show plan call for us to talk about now? There's a show plan. <laughs> First, we got to make the show plan before we can talk about the show plan, Dave. Uh, you know, it, it, we were talking about the same thing we talked about sort of at the start of the show that this is, uh, you know, this is an important game tonight because it's the back to back situation. So if you lose tonight or if you don't put forth the appropriate effort tonight, and then you and you and you take a law, uh, you know, you take an L on that side of the column, well, then to bounce back, you know, against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow will be especially difficult because we know how difficult it is to win in back-to-back situations. And you're not going to be able to see your own highlights on the iPad because Torts made sure that the opposing <laughs> right. team doesn't have iPads either. There so it's no going to be really I- tough. There are no, no iPads. iPads for sale in the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. state it's, it's, of Pennsylvania actually yeah. drew no all, all the iPads. No, Pit- no Pittsburgh actually, went the opposite way. They put, they put them on trucks and they got them out of this the entire state. That's no. right. Pittsburgh would do the opposite. If Philly was doing one thing, Pittsburgh would do the That's opposite. That's true. It would be exactly. It's only in Philadelphia County that you can't get any iPads right now. Yeah. But you know, because we talked about it. Look, the Colorado Avalanche won four games in a row. They're back in a playoff spot now, and mm-hmm. they have games in hand. So you knew and that the they Chushkin's were back, and Bowen Byram is coming back. So they're they're getting and, close to health. And Kale McCarr, uh, full health. And Kale McCarr is going to be back. Uh, he there was some thought he was going to play yesterday. He didn't, but he's yeah. He uh, only missed like, a few games though. It I know, but he's you know. He, but they're getting healthier and they're getting yeah. back to back to well, where they, they need. They, to be. I mean, we thought that we thought the Jets were missing a lot of money in uh, salary. The the Avalanche, I think, the, I think the Jets had twenty five million dollars out at one point. Yeah. The Avs had twenty six. So those well, two the big, teams the were big. One is is Captain Gabe, right? Yeah, of course. Like well, like you talk about you know trade deadline acquisitions. Landis Cog obviously had surgery. He's been out the whole season. Mm-hmm. But you know when you talk about you know the Avalanche and whether or not they'll make a move, which I do think they'll make at least you know one or two moves before the trade deadline. But yeah. like how how amazing is it to get your captain back before the trade deadline, right? Like so yeah, the Avalanche. I, I think we all agree that the Avalanche are going to be a playoff team. Well, they have a tough matchup tonight against the Seattle Kraken. The Kraken is, of course, still playing great hockey. But you know, the let's say you know the Jets, let's say the Jets don't take care of business against uh, against the Ottawa Senators, and say the Avalanche go into Seattle and upset the Kraken. Well, all of a sudden, the Avs are only six points behind the Jets, and they still have two games in hand. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Colorado is you know they were in the rearview mirror, you know, further back in it, but they're getting closer. As we all expected, this isn't to say, you know, there's still a team between the Jets and the Avalanche. You know, the Minnesota Wild also have two games in hand on the Jets at this point in time. You know, Dallas is at the top. You know, all these teams have three games in hand. The Jets have a game in hand. Uh, that's know. an that's an amazing comment that you have up there, by the way. THP power. I have no idea what's wrong with these guys, but we definitely need a, a, a team of professionals to work on it. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no question about it. We've 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 reached out for professional help, and the professional THP power the, also. The illegal we, curve hockey show is going to be studied in psychiatry classes for years <laughs> to come. THP power also wearing a new 
uh, some Jets merch courtesy of the contest. So just continue to enter the contest, people. Even though we don't give anything away on Saturday shows, we still advocate that you that you enter. And we haven't chosen the word. Oh, I speaking of which, I haven't chosen the word. I'll have to do it right now. They're, I'll think they, about it. Okay, you think about it. We'll go to break. We'll bring in John Mattis, the national hockey writer for the score.com. As we mentioned, he wrote about Kyle Connor. Talk to him about that. Talk to him everything about everything going around in the NHL. It's a Saturday morning. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Bottom of hour number two, we're pleased to welcome to the program the national hockey writer from the score.com. John Mattis, our good friend, joins us on the show. John, good morning. Nice to see you. How are things? Nice to see you, fellas, as well. Things are well. Things are uh, are busy. Um, yeah. We're at that point of the season where, you know, I don't want to say it's the dog days, but it's kind of, you know, we're past the midway point of all that. Okay, what happened in the first half? We haven't quite hit the all-star game or trade deadline, so it's a bit of a weird period, but mm-hmm. it can be good to to reflect and, and talk about big picture topics it can it can be it can also be good to reflect and appreciate those who are otherwise maybe a little less appreciated than they should be and you did that earlier this week with a great article on the score.com an article that we've tweeted out uh, about winnipeg jets uh winger and superstar unappreciated superstar kyle connor uh you know i guess a two-part question you know what was the impetus for you writing the article sort of why you know why did you think that you know he deserved the shine as much as he does and then what did you sort of find out in the course of your reporting on Kyle Connor sure well the first part would be I get these reports from Sport Logic, uh, the analytics company mm-hmm. twice a week and has a leaderboard of you know primary assists cycle chances rush chances etc and I noticed that Kyle Connor was very high in primary assists both in total and per game and I just thought I thought he was mostly a sniper um and winnipeg happened to be coming to buffalo which is not too far from my house um so i thought okay like let's dig into this like is he actually a better playmaker this year is did he work on something in his in his off season what's going on there and at the same time i was like okay if if there's nothing there uh which turned out to be the case because he said like i don't know why my assists are up um (laughs) then then i can focus on the fact that this guy is sixth in goal since 2017-18, 2017-18, which is his first full season. So he basically his entire career, mm-hmm. he's been producing at a really high rate uh, on, the, on the goal front. And just the durability there, um, the sort of uh, – he has some flashy traits, but a lot of it is subtle in, in terms of what he brings to the game. So I just found he was – like just he's just an interesting guy in the, the universe of these offensive stars that are taking over the NHL, right? I mean – He's, uh, you know, even the, the the biggest diehard Jets fan isn't going to go, oh, he's as good as Matthews or McDavid or Kucherov or whoever. But I think there's a case to be made that he's sort of in that second tier, uh, given his production, what he means to the Jets. Um, so I just wanted to dig into that a little bit. And I know it's it, I'm not the first person to say this guy is underrated, but it, it just it, it shocks me uh, to no end just how, um, I guess sort of nondescript he is in a lot of ways, but also mm-hmm. um, if we're just talking about what he does on the ice, um, there's, there's nothing nondescript about it. <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty <laughs> impressive. And so that was sort of my mindset. And I just went there, went around uh, the Jets room, talked to Rick Bonus, um, talked to Eric Comrie, who was on the, the Sabres, obviously a former teammate, and just mm-hmm. tried to understand, you know, what makes this guy tick. And also, um, 
you know, what is it about his game that, that maybe people are overlooking? So uh, that was the impetus. And uh, at the end of the day, I, it's kind of a weird thing because, you know, who's deciding who's appreciated, who's deciding who's rated this, that, and the other. But I think he's one guy that we can all agree is in, in some way, shape, or form flying under the radar, both for his career and then this season. I mean, he's not going to the All-Star game, and he's tied for 11th in scoring. And he used to be, you know, well, tied for 9th and 10th. Like, he's been right in there mm-hmm. all season. That's and I was going to mention that, John, that you know, that's the craziest thing, right? The Jets have two players going uh, with Hellebuck being voted in, and Kyle Connor isn't one of them when, you know, aside from a slow start, I mean, he's picked up right where he left off. He's not obviously going to hit, you know, 47 goals, but he could easily hit 40 goals. And it was, it was a great article. And I know a lot of Jets fans love the article because it's not like we've been talking about Kyle Connor being underrated for a year or two. Like this mm-hmm. is going on four or five years now, right? Like he was a fantastic scorer when the Jets went on the run in 2018. And he was, you know, earlier in his NHL career, right? And, you know, Dave Manuk has been talking about this for, for years now. Connor is just as good of a playmaker as he is a goal scorer. And that's really what he's primarily known for, right? With the speed and the release on the power play and everything like that. And, and I, you know, one of the quotes I love the most was from Todd Woodcroft. He said, the only flash is when he's going by you and you're looking at his jersey <laughs> flapping in the wind, right? And so it's so true, especially, you know, on three-on-three overtime, right? Like this guy is, you know, right up there with with Ehlers and Connor McDavid and, and some of the fastest guys you know, in the league. And and it might be because of the market, right? Winnipeg, I have no idea, but you're absolutely right. When it comes to skill, um, I, I think we would all agree that, you know, he's arguably, you know, top 10 skilled player, you know, in the entire league. So, you know, it's really incredible and, and great that he's getting some more recognition, you know, from yourself included. Well, okay. Let's break down a few things that you said there. So um, first of all, Todd Woodcroft, I assume you guys have had him on your show, but if you haven't, I mean, a quote machine like he's 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 legitimately funny like a real like a funny <laughs> person um and obviously he knows the game you know better than most he's been in and around the nhl and now the college game for like 30 years so um he's fantastic on that level and number two uh you bring up the three on three overtime i mean um right now connor is tied with dry for most game winning goals with eight and if you go back again to this five-year sample of of 2017-18 his first full season and capture that season all the way to now, he's third in game-winning goals. So the, the consistency is, is always there, which I think is like, it's kind of boring, right, consistency. He hasn't had one season when he's had 50 goals. Um, this season, I guess you could point to the assists and go, okay, this is a bit of an anomaly. But um, generally, he's just been really consistent. And, you know, a part of it is durability. I mean, he's been able to stay in the lineup a lot, whereas, say, just to use an example, Matthews, I mean, he's missed a bunch of games over his career. Mm-hmm. Um so there's that. And then you mentioned the market. So I find Winnipeg like a really unique market. Maybe there's no market that compares, to be honest, in the NHL. Maybe Ottawa might be a comparable. But you're in Canada, so obviously there's a large and rabid fan base. But compared to Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, not only is there less media, uh, there's virtually no, if any, national media. Um, and then there's oh, John, also- we definitely have an inferiority complex. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and also it's just the, the size. I mean, like, it's just the facts of, you know, Winnipeg, the metropolitan area. It just doesn't compare to some of these other other hubs, right? And and Ottawa is like, I, I, honestly, it's, it's probably pretty similar. But none of the American teams can sort of have the same vibe of, of a Canadian market. Um, so there's that. And I so that kind of keeps them, you know, lower um, than, say, I don't know, William Nylander or whatever um, in Toronto. But there's also the fact that, 
he's uh, kind of an unassuming guy. I mean, he's uh, pretty meat and potatoes, you know, likes to hunt and golf and fish. And like what most of his teammates told me was he's not overly serious, but also not overly goofy, like very well-liked guy, but he's not exactly like, you know, Mr. Serious, you know, in the gym first and, and, and last out. Um, and then also not, you know, making all these one-liners. Um, so there's that. He kind of just fits into the team nicely. Um, also his, his frame. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I've watched Kyle Connor over the years, it's not that he's been hidden when you're watching the Jets, but he just doesn't stand out. He's not tiny and he's certainly not big. And he's gotten stronger over the years. Uh, he's added muscle. But even when I was in Buffalo standing beside him, I mean, he's a guy that's in shape, but he's certainly not imposing. Um, so I think that adds on to it too. It's almost like, you know, when you see it's... Kyle Connor in, in street clothes, like you might think he's like a pro surfer as opposed to being like a, a pro <laughs> hockey player, right? With that hair. Well, yeah, he's got great hair and just, just like kind of a down to earth uh, guy from Michigan, right? Like he, he just loves hockey and he's not in commercials and he's not trying to put himself out there. Um, and then the one thing that me and Todd Woodcroft talked about was his name. I mean, Kyle Connor, it's two first names. Uh, it's, probably a step above john smith in terms of creativity but it's not that <laughs> far from john smith um you know even if you think about i don't know david pasternak you're gonna remember pasternak even yeah. though he's got david as a first name it's like that's a unique last name see john you that's just have fun. to add john if you just add his middle initial f then you got kfc and then you don't forget it that's well, right it's funny you guys bring that up because uh just researching and looking back at some stories written about him and mm -hmm. I was on Reddit in in the uh, the Jets Reddit yep. community and there's all this talk about KFC KFC yeah. and then you know I realized it's probably <laughs> the F word and I'm like but but is it you know the fast food joint so I kind of stayed away from it just because yeah. I wasn't quite sure what that was all about yeah. but I did find that funny where like Jets fans are uh, they're they're behind this guy they love this Oh guy. yeah yeah there's no question about it well, you talk about how underrated he is, John. He's not even the best Connor on the team in terms of importance <laughs> yes. with with Connor Hellebuck. So, you know, you think about the Connors in the league, McDavid, Hellebuck, you know, Kyle, you know, you know, three pretty damn good Connors. So it, it stands to reason the third one might not necessarily get as much attention. But I mean, you, you saw it in person in Buffalo, as you said, when you went down to the game. I mean, the game winning goal, you know, what he did to the goaltender. I, and I can't remember who uh, I, I think it was uh, 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 Pekka Little. Yep, uh, Lukanen. Yeah, yeah, Lukanen, sorry. Just, just uh, say UPL, Drew. UPL. Yeah, UPL. Yeah. It's too <laughs> confusing. But, I mean, you know, he just deked him out of his jock, as the old expression went, uh, for the game-winning goal. I mean, that's just got to be intimidating for a goalie to see him coming in, knowing that he can pick a corner if he chooses to, or he can deke you out of your out of your shorts uh, to get a game-winner, as he did against Buffalo. Yeah, it's a, just to circle back on being overshadowed a little bit in, in, in Jets land, you know, before there was Dustin Bufflin, big personality, you know, right. booming hits. So we got lost in the shuffle with with Bufflin in that era. Patrick Line was was a bit of a roller coaster tenure, and he's got the flash of that incredible shot, and he's you know got that personality when he's joking around with the media. You got Shifley, Ehlers, like you said, Hallibuck in terms of what he's done over the years. It's just easy for Connor to fly under the radar, even in his own market. Even though you could argue he's right up there in terms of uh, MVP conversation over the last five years. Mm -hmm. um, and then, Drew, just to, to talk a little bit more about his playing style, uh, Rick Bonus, who's been in the NHL circles for literally 40 years. like, And, yeah. and if you go back with his playing years, it's probably closer to 50. Um, he said Connor's got one of the best releases he's ever seen, uh, whether he's coaching, playing. And, you know, that's not exactly surprising, especially to Jets fans. But I think it says something. And that wrist shot is – his calling card, 
Um, obviously, his quickness is right up there as well. But after that, it kind of tails off in terms of the the flash, in terms of the appeal. Um, he's you know he's a give and go guy. He's a cycle guy. Um, he's a really good four checker, but not in a in a, a ground and pound way. He's kind mm-hmm. of beating you to the puck or he's stripping the puck from you. So again, the the the, the overlooked aspect comes in on so many levels. And even if you look at his defensive game, which is not very good, um, <laughs> I think, say, if you compare him to Pierre-Luc Dubois, Dubois might get a little more love, a little more publicity because people are enamored by not only the size and the personality, but like, oh, he's got some good two-way effects. So Connor, you know, there's just so much there in terms of why he's lost in the shuffle. Saturday morning, you're live on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. National hockey writer for The Score, John Mattis, is our guest. John, we like to do we do like to talk about the Jets here on this program. That's what our focus generally is. But I'm going to cast my eyes, like much of the hockey world, out west and to the mess that's in Vancouver. And I just want your thoughts. We talk, we kind of opened the show talking about what's going on with the Canucks and Bruce Boudreau and the way they're handling it right now. And like, I mean, to be honest with you, if you're Rick Tockett and he seems to be the presumptive next head coach, even though they currently have a head coach, do you want to be going to that dumpster fire that is Vancouver? I mean, what are your thoughts on what's going on in, uh, in Canuck land? Well, I'd say on the Tockett angle, I mean, there's only 32 jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. been waiting for that next job while working for TNT. He's been very open about the fact that the broadcasting thing is is more temporary than than permanent. Um, that said, I mean, of all situations, it's top five worst <laughs> or bottom five worst, whatever the, yeah. the phrase would be there. No. Um, as far as not only, you know, the fan base loving this Bruce Boudreaux character that's about to exit stage right, um, but also... Uh, the roster you're inheriting and reports out there. I believe it was Farhan Lauji said part of the impetus for bringing Tockett in, like kind of this more old school, um, uh, I guess, uh, defensive guy and someone who, who's got some clout as far as, you know, how he played the game is to settle down JT Miller. Uh, I guess just to, you know, kind of uh, get him on the right track is in terms of attitude, in terms of, you know, defensive zone coverage, et cetera. Like that's a huge red flag to me. That's, <laughs> and, and you know. Yeah. It's like, well, that's the main reason why you're bringing him in. It's yeah. Obvi- I mean, obviously it's not, but if that's even, you know, in your top five of, of reasons or priorities, that's, that's a concern. They just signed JT Miller to an eight year deal. Yeah. Um, and it's already a, a bit of an albatross contract. Um, so there's that, uh, the whole Bruce Boudreaux situation, which obviously everyone's watching from afar and shaking their head. I mean, it's a little cruel uh, what's going on and just a beloved character in the league. And this isn't his fault, really. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't look at what, what's happening with the Canucks and go, this is a coaching problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little weird that they wouldn't just fire him. If they didn't think he was the guy long-term, fire him, promote one of his assistants, and keep going uh, that downward spiral in terms of, heading towards the, the draft lottery. Um, so it's a little strange in that sense, I'll be honest, but maybe they really love talking and they think this is their chance. Um, so perhaps that explains the timing of it all. Um, but big picture in terms of the roster there, there's some, as Jim Rutherford said, there's some major surgery needed, but where I, where I lose him is with the timeline that he's hoping for one to three years yeah. that they're going to turn this thing around. Um, and they, he's sort of, you know, he's been talking one to, about, sorry, John, they've been one to three years away for the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, 
I get where Jim Rutherford is coming from when he says, like, I wasn't part of the last regime, so I shouldn't be sort of – I'm paraphrasing him. Yeah. But I shouldn't be sort of looped in with Jim Benning. But it, it's just – it's a problem with the organization where, you know, squeaking into the playoffs is, is apparently the main goal. And it's, that shouldn't be the main goal anywhere. Um, and they've been just trying to band-aid over mistakes again and again and again. I, th- I honestly was a huge fan of the Rutherford hiring when it happened because I thought, oh, this is a guy who's actually quite different than Jim Benning. Um, and then he brings over Patrick Alvin as his, uh, as his GM, and you go, this seems like a pretty good tandem. I mean, um, it's been the opposite, though. It's been the same old story, the same old flawed plan that Jim Benning had where it's a lot of short-term thinking. And even, you know, one thing I wrote about the other day was Andre Kuzmenko – Mm-hmm. was mentioned in the press conference that, that Rutherford had uh, in the sense that he said, oh, we're negotiating with this guy. We're, we're hoping to assign him uh, to an extension. And I'm just thinking, of all players that you have uh, to use it as a trade chip, he's probably at the top of the list. He is a 26-year-old rookie that's really cheap right now that a contender can bring in easily. So you have a big market for him, and you've decided that we're going to add another contract uh, to our core that's aging, a contract that honestly probably won't look great. This guy's having a, an incredible year right. as a 26 year old rookie. I don't expect him to continue what he's doing um, at this level. So you're going to handcuff yourself again with another bad contract to add with Ekman Larson, JT Miller, uh, Connor Garland. You can go up and down the list. It's just, it's very short term uh, focused yet the sort of messaging or the, the, the overall plan quote unquote is to not be uh, short-term. So it, it's a very confusing situation out in Vancouver, and I hope, uh, you know, they put Bruce out of his misery, so to speak, uh, sooner than later. Well, you know, the common denominator around across all the different, uh, you know, regimes in Vancouver is French, Francisco Aquilini. So, I mean, I think that what you're seeing... He, he owns the team, though, Drew. Thank you, Ezra. I'm aware of what I'm aware of what his role is. I appreciate that. But I think what you're seeing is the importance of a good culture in an organization and how that starts at the top, mm-hmm. because I believe, and I look Rutherford and, and Alvin are, 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 I assume handcuffed to some degree by the edict coming down from ownership. And when ownership is lousy, this is what you get. You get mm-hmm. these organizations that are in this state of almost constant chaos. And I mean, you look at all the sort of the, the bad you know, organizations in this league right now. And I think the common denominator for a lot of them is questionable ownership because it starts at the top. I mean, uh, you know, there's a great book. I'm not sure if you've read it, John, about the New England Patriots. Hmm. And it talks about the dynamic between, uh, you know, the owner, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and then Tom Brady when he was their quarterback. And it talks about how, you know, they were synchronicity at all levels. Whereas in Vancouver and in a lot of other bad organizations, you see that there's just divides and, and, and chaos and not a realistic uh, viewpoint of what the franchise is and what the team is. And I think the Vancouver Canucks are a great test case for that right now. A study that you can say, look at this disaster. What is the core of the disaster? Bad ownership, in my estimation. Yeah. And when you're the owner, I mean, it's your team. So, you know, technically you can do whatever you want. But I right. think... History has shown us, whether it's the Patriots or Tampa Bay Lightning, mm-hmm. um, the best owners in sports have, you know, they're in the room, so to speak. They're they're involved, but they trust their 
they're sports people. So whether that's football operations with the Patriots or hockey operations with the, uh, with the lightning there, because it's kind of one of those things where also you can't look at it through the lens of like a normal business. I mean, you have to spend enormous amounts of money to upgrade facilities, to attract free agents. You need to, um, you know, buy players out who you just signed, you know, a year ago. Um, you need to make all these really like moves that are counter to good business because it's just a different economic system. And you need to have that in place. You need to have that mentality. And you also need to just understand that there's certain timelines you need to follow. Uh, you need to, I, I think if I were a, a new owner, um, a billionaire who bought a, <laughs> a pro sports fr- franchise, mm-hmm. I think I would get to work on studying, you know, how have these dynasties been built and try to take myself out of the moment, take myself out of the emotions of watching your team every day and whatnot. And you, you just got to, as lame as it sounds, because it's kind of a cliche now, but you got to trust the process. And um, out in Vancouver, I suppose you could say they have a process, but it's <laughs> it's not aligned with with winning, with uh, sustainability. And I think the the problem with um, with that mentality, the way that they're operating is that, especially in a market like Vancouver, people are starting to tune them out or that if they haven't yet, they are going to be soon. And, you know, a lot of markets in the NHL can be seen as sort of bulletproof, um, especially in Canada where there's always going to be a really strong base, but there comes a time when people are fed up. I mean, it sort of happened with the Leafs before Shanahan came in. Um, And, you know, even though the playoff success hasn't been there in Toronto, you can't deny that, whether it's the the MLSE group, uh, Bell and Rogers, uh, and their lack of involvement seemingly in the day to day, yeah. Um, but the 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 financial might that they have, um, that's fantastic, and they trust their president, they trust their GM, and I think that's a lot of what it comes down to. Uh, the day to day meddling, it, it never works out well. I think John, you'd agree that probably the best thing for the Canucks right now, uh, you know, Bruce Boudreaux situation aside, because. I think we all agree that they have handled that extremely poorly. I think the best thing for the Canucks is is to start, you know, rebuilding, right? Like start, you know, make those decisions, you know, trade Bo Horvat, trade Brock Besser, you know, start moving on here because you're most likely not going to be in the, you know, Connor Bedard sweepstakes. You're definitely not going to be like a, a bottom three or a bottom five team. It's just too hard to do that. But I think, you know, they need to, as you said, stop thinking about, you know, just squeaking into the playoffs and start thinking about like, how do we get this, you know, really going the right way? Because the last few years have been really d- difficult for Canucks fans. And it probably is starting to be reflected in, in attendance and everything like that. But I wanted to go back east and, and talk about the Montreal Canadiens because just saw that the score posted that Cole Caulfield is going to be out for the season. And obviously, you know, the Jets and Habs played last week, um, you know, with the Caulfield injury and, you know, you couple that with, all the other players, Slavkovsky's out for, for three months, even though I think you'd agree that maybe he shouldn't have been playing up uh, in the NHL. But, you know, they've got a lot of injuries there. Brendan Gallagher, the list goes on, um, Sean Monaghan. But if the for sale sign isn't already up in Montreal, I mean, should it be up? And, and how quickly are we going to start to see, you know, the players get dealt? Because I imagine a lot of teams are looking at, at the Habs right now and saying, OK, like, let's let's do some some deals here. Well, I think we can agree that they're a pretty smart organization. Uh, the integrity is <laughs> there. Like, I think, I think they're, I mean, this is almost perfect for them that these guys are injured. And I wonder how much of the direction of the team, the timeline of the team where this is clearly a long rebuild factored into say Cole Caulfield opting for surgery. A lot of times, right. These guys can play through stuff 
I have no idea what his specific situation is, but um, say with Patrick Kane right now, he could potentially get surgery, but he's uh, deciding if he wants to push his uh, chips in the middle of the table as far as going to a contender. So that that's the first thing that comes to mind is that I think that they're identifying this period, this time as a, as a perfect chance to get everyone healthy for next year. Um, and then when I look at the roster in terms of trade chips, I mean, a guy like David Savard is going to be um, sought after Michael Matheson, maybe, um, you know, Jake Allen. I don't know what their plans are for him in, in the future. Uh, so I wouldn't say that they have, because they're kind of in this, uh, this test period, I would call it, because like even a guy like Sean Monahan, who, like you said, injured now, I, was, I wasn't sure if they were going to trade him, keep him, because it was a bit of a reclamation project. Um, I guess we'll never find out until, until the offseason. But um, they're in this. They're they're kind of in a, a, a unique scenario where they're certainly not trying to win. They're certainly rebuilding, but they acquired these these projects that Martin Saint Louis clearly uh, wouldn't mind uh, seeing through. So, like I said, I mean Edmonton, Savard, Matheson, maybe Dodonov and, and Hoffman up front. Uh, all these players are presumably not part of the the long term future there. So. I, I mean, it, it would be a no-brainer. They're, they're one of those teams, uh, you know, maybe there's a handful of them in the league where it's it's so obvious what they're doing. It's so obvious that they're going to be sellers at the deadline that these injuries just, I guess, put an exclamation point on that. John Mattis is the national hockey writer for The Score. He's a good friend of the program. John, always appreciate your time, appreciate your insight. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll get together again real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, it's nice to see the Jets do well. Um, I know that they, you know, last two games they've lost, but like great market, great fans. You know, you guys are, are, are fantastic to talk with and, you know, they're, they're near the top of the Western conference. I mean, when was the last time we could say that midway through the season? So it'll be interesting to see how it all develops. That it will be. We'll we'll talk about it again later on this year, John. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, Thanks, John. Cheers, John. John Mattis, good friend of the program, joining us. A uh, quick update from Ottawa, where the Jets morning skate is underway. No line rushes today. So as to how the line. By the way, going... Drew, is this is this update from Jeff Ottawa Hamilton? Uh, yeah. Well, you you have uh, was it you that have him being born there or something or growing up there? Well, I nice, it's nice that Jeff could go back to his hometown. Yeah, exactly. You know, he gets, <laughs> he's get, got family. You know, I, I was. I was right. He went to Carleton, which is yes. in Ottawa, yeah. and he's and he's got family in Ottawa. Okay, so do I. It doesn't mean I was ever born, and I, and I actually and I actually lived there. So it doesn't yeah, mean that, it doesn't there. mean it was my hometown. That's fair. In any event, I've yes, already acknowledged I made a mistake, Drew. And it's our fun job with it. to continue to throw it in your face. For I gotta at least say, guys, next... it's gonna be really nice for Kyle Connor to play, you know, in front of his hometown fans. <laughs> yeah, no, I Drew, look, you gotta call out a mistake when it's made. And I look, listen, Mr. Colin Mandel, I, I agree that that's something. Dave, Jeff Hamilton was not born in Ottawa. Okay, let's just uh let's just move on. <laughs> was he born in Hamilton? Yes, he was born in Hamilton. Actually, they named the city out of him. But before he was born, it wasn't called Hamilton. It was called the Steel City. Then they changed the name to Hamilton as a result. Uh, Anyways, as I was saying, there were no line rushes this morning uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Logan Stanley uh, is out of his non-contact jersey. Mason Appleton is still in his. It doesn't look like there's any sign of Dylan Sandberg on the ice. Nobody has said anything about Dylan Sandberg. So I have to believe that he's not healthy enough to get back in the lineup tonight. But we will find out. Some people saying, you know, maybe Kyle Capo Bianco goes in. I don't yeah. necessarily know that's going to happen, but really that's that's the only change that could that could take place. Or of course Carson Kuhlman going into the lineup for someone. I mean, right. you'd, you'd think it might be Axel Leons and Fialbi. 
uh, or, you know, Sam Gagne, because I, I believe it was Gagne that was a healthy scratch before that, right, Dave? Yeah. So uh, right. another thing, but most likely the lineup is going to look similar to the game against the Leafs. Well, it's interesting because Kuhlman, the, before practice, it was uh, actually Anton Fialbi who was the extra forward, and it was Kuhlman who was in the practice lines. Mm-hmm. But then ultimately they ended up going with actually Anton Fialbi and scratching Kuhlman. So uh, a little site called LegalCurve.com. The moment this show ends, which is coming up, We'll have the update for you uh, there. Sure enough, we've already given away tickets to the Moose game this afternoon for the one lucky fan. It's amazing. I put it on Twitter, Ezzy. Helps by you giving me a retweet. But like that, the, the, the illegal curve zone tickets are gone. So we've given away the tickets for today and tomorrow's game. And we'll have more for the Marlies series next week. I don't know if we have uh, both games, but I'll be giving those away later in the week. In any event, all your latest and, of course, the audio from Jets head coach Rick Bonus available on video, actually, too. Video, yes, on legalcurve.com. Sam, you want to come say goodbye? We're wrapping up the show. Bye. You want to say bye? Say bye to everybody. Sam, can I come over and play Nintendo Wii? Ezra wants to know if he can come play the Nintendo Switch. It's the Switch. Why do you keep going with the Wii? You can. He says you can. That's nice of him. Isn't that nice? Oh, of Sam, Sam, I'll bring I'll bring Ruben over too, and we can play. Sam, later after the show ends, we're going to learn about the concept of restraining order. No, <laughs> wow, that's it. Me and Sam are cool. I'm sure you are. Sam's my uh, buddy. I'm, right, Sam? He's an he's, he's a good boy. Yes, he is. Uh, in any event, we want to say thank you to Eric Dubois and John Mattis for joining us earlier today on the show. In case you missed any of it, it will be available the podcast shortly thereafter, the instant replay on YouTube later tonight, nine o'clock. Uh, tonight, just before nine o'clock, the Illegal Curve post game show back here on our YouTube channel following the Jets and the Ottawa Sabres, uh, Ottawa Sabres, Ottawa Senators. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, do everything that you're supposed to do as we tell you to do here to give us the support that we so appreciate. Dan, and do you think you- the Jets are going to win tonight? Do you think the Jets are going to win? Ezra wants to know. I think so. He thinks so. Yeah, he thinks the Jets I think are so going to win. Sam. Okay, there you go. A big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the Saturday show, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Frosty Winnipeg has it up there. Mike Cronin tonight at Rumors. Not a ton of tickets left. RumorsComedyClub.com. Linden Market Dental Center. Zapia Group Realty. Betway. Tough Duck. Boston Pizza. Seagram's. The Seagram's shot of the game coming up later on. So get sure be sure to have your drinks ready for you when we do that. Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and the keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey for dave manuk for ezra ginsburg i'm your host drew mandel we'll see you later tonight thanks for watching this has been the illegal curve hockey show bye thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel follow at illegal curve on twitter facebook and instagram and visit your online home for hockey in winnipeg illegalcurve.com